What's up, everybody? We're back with another episode of SpotFest. I am here with uh, Silvio and, and Eric, now our, our new permanent co-host. So uh, both of you guys say what's up. What's up, guys? What is up, everybody? So uh, this past weekend, me and Silvio went, did a little uh, little road trip to uh, – well, Silvio was a road trip. I flew down for uh, AEW's Fight for the Fallen, so we'll talk a little bit about that. And then we got some time bomb stuff to cover, and then we're gonna go back to our our normal episode like setup of having. Uh, we're gonna do. I think we're covering eight matches again, so we're gonna go or seven matches or something like that. So we're gonna actually go through and just go match by match like we used to do, try and get back to the uh, the roots of the podcast. So yeah, we're gonna try to you know do that, keep it interesting because there was a there was a ton of wrestling this week, so we tried to pick stuff from pretty much everything that was going on the only thing i think we missed from was evolve but i don't know if we would really consider that missing out but we just uh, don't have anything from it i've heard that show is really good and i really do mean to watch it i started watching it like in uh but i was in a laundromat and i was just having a really bad time trying to like pay attention to it well just absolute chaos like a little kid trying to shut herself inside a dryer was going on around me so i really uh <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't have like I couldn't pay attention, so I stopped it. And I'm pretty bummed because I heard that like a lot of people have been saying that was like one of the best shows of the weekend, if not the best show. So I really do want to go back and watch it, but I just I haven't. I need to. I, okay, I, I I don't think I've ever sat down and watched a full Evolve show, and I mean I guess I guess okay. I was watching them for a little bit right towards like the end of Riddle's run and like the end of like one like like it was like one of those like they did the string of like Riddle and Keith Lee matches. I was watching then, but like. I definitely have no desire to see the majority of their roster, but it is kind of crazy to think that, like, Eddie Kingston just had a match on the network. Yeah, I think that factor of it's cool, and, like, there were a lot of... That crowd looked really good, too. So I, I definitely want to revisit it, and who knows? Maybe next week we pop a matchup from it, because it's, it's recent enough. Uh, but who knows? From what I've heard, it's definitely worth watching. But, yeah, we were, we were in Jacksonville for most of the weekend, and then... With the G1 and, like, other just hectic stuff that, you know, life, I haven't been able to catch up on everything I wanted to watch. Hey, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I'll be right back. If you guys want to keep talking, you can, but I, I gotta, uh, I gotta go downstairs real quick. God damn it, Travis. I'm sorry. Yeah, not to be a negative Nancy, but you could not fucking pay me to watch an evolved show, like a full evolved show. I, I just hate, like the super super serious presentation of it like i think it's like almost like parodying itself in my opinion it definitely is and i mean there was a long time period i feel like where evolve was too serious and it probably still is it's been a while since i've watched it i think my biggest issue is, is they do have a decent amount of talent right now and they are getting to do these cool matches like uh the skulk is like or however you say the shulk i forget but it's all kids who are trained by ar fox who are also like pretty good so, like, I definitely, I want to see more of them, but it's, like, you can only see them in Evolve, and it's just, a lot of the times, their cards don't appeal to me. And there was that weird time where the NXT talent couldn't be shown, and that sucked. But now they're starting to let that be shown on stuff, and I'm a little more interested, but I don't know, man. I Like, I want to revisit it, but I'm not too sure if I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm, like, definitely in the minority on it, but I don't know. The WWE, like, 
partnership kind of draws me away even more from it. Like, I don't know. It just seems really weird, like, not to be on, like, some soapbox. But I don't know. It just seems like a very corporate, independent promotion now. Like, you can't even call it independent promotion when they're in the pocket of, like, a billionaire company. Oh, yeah. It's definitely not an independent promotion anymore. Not only are they in the pocket, but, I mean, Gabe has a job with them. Now it's on the network. Like, it's very obvious, like, what type of promotion they are now and like i see the niche that they're going for i think what happened was is their numbers were starting to fall with everyone they were losing and i think this was kind of their best case scenario get some nxt guys to pop some live crowds and make money that way pretty much sell your soul but it definitely bums me out because i mean there were times where evolve was really good um but it's been a while at this point yeah i mean it's a really good call on their end like they're probably games probably making a shit ton of money now but like i don't know it's just not for me it's kind of like this like stuff with mlw where like they were calling themselves like the outlaw promotion and it's like you guys are not the outlaw promotion at all and i don't know i think the thing that rubs me wrong the most is like when big promotions try to make off like they're still independent when they're absolutely not and it just like makes me not want to watch their shit anymore one crazy thing I saw is, did you guys know that MLW right now is drawing more people than Ring of Honor? How crazy oh, yep. is that? By, like, a lot, too. That doesn't surprise me at all, honestly. Dude, it does. I didn't know MLW was drawing so many people. I guess maybe they're just, like, not as much on my radar as they should be. But I couldn't believe it. Like, I saw numbers. Um, I would love to credit who it was, and I feel really bad I can't. But it was something like they have an average of, like, over 2,000 people for MLW right now. That's Ring of Honor. That sound right. Dude, like, if you watch, apparently that's happening. They keep running that place in Chicago and selling it out. The Sierra Stadium or whatever. But two, yeah, are, you talking about, are you talking about, like, viewers or are you talking about, like, actual attendees? No, like, attendees. No. Dude, Cicero Stadium in Chicago, they fucking sell it out every single time. And that's not, like, a tiny building at all. That's like, crazy. They, yeah, I know they've been, they've been doing their TV tapings there. See, I think what they're doing that's really smart is – I'm. Don't quote me on it, but I'm almost positive that Cicero Stadium is in a very heavy, like, Latino neighborhood. And they're booking these shows that have, like, all of these, like, big top, like, Latino names, like, in the main event and stuff. And I think it's really smart. And they're obviously selling out the stadium every time. And, like, yeah, they've, they've had some really cool matches there, too. Like, I remember, because I was bummed, because MLW is always in Florida. And then all of a sudden, I see Lucha Bros versus Lariato Kid and Black Taurus. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to drive for this. And then I look, and it was at that venue. So they are doing a really good job. And I, I've heard the same thing, that that's like a Latino market, basically. So they know what they're doing, and it just kind of has exploded them as a company. Because, I mean, for a while, I didn't think anything of MLW. And now I'm starting to see this, and I'm like, man, this company's actually making a little bit of money here. See, well, there's- if it was the opposite, because I used to go to those like MLW shows in uh, when, it, when it was at Guilt, and I thought it was like the coolest place to see wrestling. And then... I saw them at this place that I saw Ring of Honor at, too, in South Florida. And like some of the matches were good, but then other matches were, like, shit. And I was like, man, like, them doing this, like, TV taping makes, like, the actual, like... I mean, okay, so the way they work it versus, like, a Ring of Honor TV taping is instead of being, like, here's an episode, here's another episode, here's another episode, is they just go through it's, like... Like, the matches are in order of how they would be on, like, a normal card. And then they just kind of piece it together. So, like, sometimes it can get kind of confusing at those, but it also means that the show is much easier to watch as a fan because, like, when you go to Ring of Honor TV taping, you're an hour in, and, like, there's a main event, and then it's, like, then you go to, like, another, like, like opening match right after that, and it just, it just sucks. So MLW shows, like, 
they set up very nicely, but I had thought that quality kind of went down for a, for a minute there. But I guess they're they must be like coming back up. I mean, I know they had like a big thing with like Tom Lawler. They used Davy Boy a lot, so it's like they have a bunch of talent that I would I would like to see, and they let their talent for the most part do in, indie stuff. So yeah, I'm not yeah. surprised not surprised they beat out Ring of Honor. Yeah, I mean MLW is doing a legit pay per view. I think next month out of Chicago, like they're gonna be like on pay per view and on fight and stuff, and like it seems like they're looking to get bigger and bigger, which is cool. Like. There's got to be stuff other than, like, WWE and AEW. Like, AEW is really cool, but there's got to be some lower-tier shit, too. Back to what we were saying about, like, Evolve, though. My my gripe with Evolve is that ever since they started being, like, in WWE, like, gate, like basically since WWE, like, kind of, like, low-key bought them out, which has been going on for, like, a, a minute now where they, they've let uh, guys who they were going to sign, they had them kind of, like, try out in, like, Evolve runs and then sign them from that. So it's, like... It's not, like, shocking that they, like, were just, like, openly, like, you know, like, now they are just, like, a partnership. But it feels like they kind of pushed out, like, independent wrestling fans and just got, they supplemented it with WWE fans and were, like, this is what independent wrestling is. And it's, like, I mean, not really anymore. Like, like, this is just another, this is what NXT started off as. Like, this is back when it was FCW. This is what it was like. Only yes. now there's actually people here. So it's, like, it's the same with progress. It's, like. They get bought out by WWE, and they're just like, they're just kind of like, like cosplaying as independent wrestling, in my opinion now. And it's like a shame because it's like obviously Progress has like, they have a lot of talent and shit there, but it's like they like still have to like adhere to like WWE guys and like put WWE guys over. I mean, I know that didn't David Sardis win their super their their the Super Style sixteen or whatever Strong Style sixteen? Anyone know that? I honestly could not tell you. Yeah, well, same here, dude. Like, I, I don't yeah. follow up. Progress lost me when they changed their filming style, when they went from, like, doing a pretty standard hard cam to just a super shaky cam all the time. Yeah. And, uh, like, I literally get sick watching their stuff. It's – I think it's filmed so bad that I can't even put it into words that, like, they've stayed popular since. They, like – it's not that expensive to get, like, a stabilizer, especially if you're a company like Progress making a bunch of money. Like, please, for the love of God, get some sort of stabilizer. Like, it, it shouldn't be shaking every three seconds. But yeah, I just think as, as a whole, like all those companies that like, I mean, the only one I think that still me it still stays true to themselves and has like a some sort of partnership with WWE is WXW, um, and that's only because I mean they just like let so like they let NXT UK guys work there, but like they haven't like they don't they don't feel any different than they did beforehand. Whereas like Progress feels like I mean I think I think Progress feels a little bit different. Evolve is obviously completely different. So I don't know. Still hate WWE. Even though we're covering one of their matches for the first time. There's a bunch of first times on this episode. I'm pretty excited. There really are. Um, I guess speaking of first times, well, I guess not even speaking first time. Should we talk about going at AEW or do you want to make your announcement, Eric? Uh, you guys talk about AEW first. Uh, all right, Sylvia, so you go ahead and, and I'll, I'll talk after you. Okay, uh, yeah, so like we said, we... Uh, Little road report. We went to fight for the fallen. Uh, we're gonna cover. I think it's is it two of the matches that made it this week. We are gonna cover two of the matches. So yep. we covered two of the matches that made it this week. Um, I really didn't know what to think going into this show. Uh, it started off with our friend Aaron driving down from West Virginia on like twelve hours notice. So it kind of just added like another layer of fun to the trip of just ridiculousness is the best way to put it. So it was that was kind of like a nice touch. Um, for me, I'm a huge Jaguars fan. So getting to watch wrestling basically in a area that's attached to TIA Bank was probably 
the coolest thing for me. Like, it was... AEW in general is already such a cross-section of two things that I enjoy a lot, being the Jaguars and wrestling, that it almost seems like something I've made up. Uh, my old roommate Christian always says that to me. Like, he he, anytime I bring it up, he's like, this seems like something you came up with that isn't true. So I love that. It's super cool. Also, happy birthday, Shad Khan. I love you. Uh, it is actually his birthday today. We're recording on Thursday. But um, We did this for you, Shad. We did this, this all for you, Shad. Um, fun story. Uh, so when we were at that rally that we went to, I saw Shad and I yelled, please don't cut Bortles. And he looked at me and laughed. Um, then later cut Blake Bortles. I'm still a little bummed about that. I wish he was still in the Jaguars, but, um, I don't know how much more do you want to go into the trip? Like, uh, do you want to talk? You had a lot more qualms with the place than I did. I feel like I walked away and I had a great time. Like I love Jacksonville. I enjoyed where we were for the most part. Like I really have no qualms. Um, I don't really, I wouldn't say I had too many qualms. I was just kind of going through it. I was, uh, I, uh, so, uh, I don't, I don't always do the best on no sleep. And I, uh, went down there on no sleep. I, I flew in the morning of the show and, uh, like, I, I don't know, I guess, I mean, I just didn't like the, uh, I just didn't like the venue. Like, I, I, I think I can understand why Sylvia, I mean, if, if you, if you took a, if you told me I was going to a wrestling show at a building attached to like the Steeler stadium, I'd be pretty fucking stoked on it. So I understand. Um, I just like, they didn't have any bathrooms opened in the front um of the like in the parking lot so that was kind of annoying um we don't need to go into too much detail about that <laughs> oh no we're going into detail on this uh so this is right, my favorite right. part of the day hands down okay uh so we're in line and travis is all like, right let me let me tell it bathroom. do you want to tell the story yeah i'll tell it okay all right so i was waiting in line to go to uh, like okay we, we show up and i like was like we'd just eaten taco bell I, I chugged a rain and I was like, okay, I kind of got to use the bathroom. Like, like I got to go number two. And, uh, I was like, I go up to the, to this like row of porter potties and they were all, they were all like dead bolted. And I was like, okay, that, that must be fucking wrong. And then I asked like a security staff, like, like a staff person there. And they were like, yeah, no, no bathrooms until you get inside. And I was just staring at them like, are you fucking kidding me? So I was like, well, whatever, I'll be fine. Like, the lines, like, they hadn't started moving yet, but I figured once they opened up, they would just kind of, like, pour in. And uh, I was fucking wrong. So we waited in line for, like, what? You, what you say, like, for, like, a half an hour? Probably from when we pulled up. I, would, I will give you a half an hour, probably. Okay, yeah. So we waited in line for, like, a half an hour. And uh, if you guys, for anyone who doesn't already know, I have pretty fucking terrible anxiety about, like, really crazy shit. And one of the things that makes me most anxious in the entire world is I will have to go to the bathroom and I will psych myself out thinking that I'm going to either piss or shit my pants so badly that I will throw up from anxiety. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I can confirm like this is this is 100% real. This is not a thing that's overblowing. This this has happened to me like multiple times in my life. There was one time my mom had to pull over on the side of the road because I had to pee so bad and I just immediately started puking. Uh, the second I got out, before I could start pissing. So, like, this is, like, a thing that's happened to me for, like, my whole life. Um, <laughs> so I'm standing in line, and I'm just like, man, like, I gotta shit really bad. And, like, if I don't shit, I'm gonna, I'm gonna puke all over these people. <laughs> and, uh, we get, we get pulled, we get called into this one line because, like, I guess it had just opened up. And they, like, call us over, but we get, we go up and we're behind two people in wheelchairs and four people on canes. <laughs> and... <laughs> 
I was so like, I was like, I was panicking. I was like, I'm, I'm going, I am not going to make it. So, uh, I asked Silvio and Aaron if they think it's a good idea for me to uh, to ask the people in front of us, the, the handicapped group of people in front of us, if it's okay if I if I cut in front of them. <laughs> and uh, before they could even say anything, I go, excuse me? And they were like, no, 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 you can't do this. So I turned to some, like, poor old woman, and I'm like, ma'am, I, I really got to go to the bathroom. Like, I, I just can I just go in front of you? And she's like, oh, oh, yes, please, yes, absolutely, because she's, like, looking terrified. Because this man who is double her size is basically just telling her, like, in polite terms, I'm going to shit my pants if you don't let me go in front of you. Um, and then I, uh, I I finally, like, get through and everything like that. She points me where the bathroom is. And I guess the closest bathroom was where everyone went. So the line was coming out of the bathroom. And I was not going to make it. So I had to go into, like, the family changing thing. And, uh, like, I went in there. And I, well, by the time I was done, I was, like, so embarrassed that I just wanted to go home. Like, I didn't want to be there anymore. I, like, I felt disgusting. And I came back, I came out of the bathroom, and there's just a dude, like, just, like, holding his pants, like, hopping back and forth, just getting ready to fucking do the same shit I just did. So, made me feel not so bad. But, yeah, that was a, it was a fucking miserable experience. Um, uh, the best part of this, not only was him asking the handicapped people to cut them, because it is forever going to stick in my brain as being the funniest thing I've ever witnessed, uh, but on top of that, he comes out and he is just drenched in sweat. Like, he literally looks like he just jumped in a pool. Yeah. When well, he comes was, back out, it's just like... Yeah. It was like it, 100 fucking degrees, and then I go into this, like, little, like, room that definitely doesn't have any ventilation, and I'm just like, it was it was fucking miserable. On top of um, this, me and Aaron walk in, and there's just a completely empty bathroom in the back left that he yeah. could have went to right away and avoided well, all of that. On top of it, but he just panicking so bad, he thought this was his only choice. That No, that's what the lady at the door told me. She said, this is the closest one. Go there. So I just booked it to there. Um, I also met... Um, I met Adam, like Adam Infante. Uh, I don't know if he listens or not, but I met his girlfriend, and uh, I probably scared her because I was just like, <laughs> like I'm just like screaming, I need to shit. I'm sorry, I can't talk to you right now. I need to shit right now. <laughs> so, uh, so I, uh, I I was supposed to hang out with them, and then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go out on a limb and say she probably doesn't want to be around me. So I'm just <laughs> like, I'm not gonna bother. <laughs> like, but yeah, that was uh, that was my AEW experience. And then once we actually got to the seats, I thought I had a, I had a fine time uh, for the rest of the night. But uh, my only complaint was uh, just that you can't really see from any of the seats. Like if there's someone, because like I'm I'm a pretty big guy. I'm I'm like six two, and I got a fucking wagon to lift me up above everyone else when I'm sitting down. And uh, I could not see like over most people. Because it's just, like, not really steep like that. And it'd be one thing if the show happened on the stage. But since it happens in the pit, it's, like, just really, really hard to see. Uh, and Silvio, I like, can echo that because we moved in the second match. Like, we already had to move because he, he just couldn't see the entire first match. The guy in front of me had, like, the largest head I've seen in my life. And it blocked, like, 75% of the ring. And, and there were people behind us. So I was like, I'm not going to stand up. But when we moved, where I moved, there actually wasn't someone directly behind me. So I was able to stand up. And that's how I watched most of the show so I could, like, actually get a good angle. And maybe it's just the 200 section where we were. Maybe, like, the 100 above was a little bit better. But that that definitely was a bummer. There was that, and uh, the ring wasn't mic'd very well. 
So like oh, you would yeah. see people fall on the ring and not really hear it. And that just felt weird for watching wrestling. Like it's a cool venue. And uh, again, as someone who likes Jacksonville, it's a cool venue because if you like look over to the right of you we're from where we were, you could see like the downtown and then the, over on the left, you could see some bridges and stuff. So it was like looks wise, it was a cool venue on TV. It looked really cool too. Um, but actually being there, it was one of the, I would say on the lower ends of places I've watched wrestling. Like it, yeah. it definitely was one of the worst ones, but I mean, it still was a cool, it was a cool experience to do once. I really hope they don't run there very often. Yeah. That's what I was going to say too. It's like, it was cool seeing the backdrop. I, ha- I I like liked everything from like the, for like the aesthetic, but like, I don't know if you, I don't know if you like, if you guys have ever been to like shows in like indoor theaters, like, like, uh, Sylvia, did you go to any of the NXT shows in Philly when they ran it at the Tower Theater? I didn't know. I wanted to go to those, but I was always like, they would always do them on Sundays and I was already leaving. Okay, well, if you've ever been to a show where, like, it's like they, like, like when you're in an actual theater where it's like the, the seats don't have that much elevation difference between, like, the row in front of you and the row, like, and the row behind it, like, it was like that, which is, like, like I said, not a problem if they just put the fucking, like, setup on the stage, put the ring on the stage, but they didn't do that which I thought looked kind of awkward too, having like the cameraman walking back and forth on that ledge, I thought looked kind of strange. I don't know if you can see it on TV, but I thought it looked kind of funny when we were there. I also do want to point out that they, the, the, the stuff you hear about AEW fans, I kind of think it's true. Like it is a very unique breed of fan. Cause it's like, it's like, it's like a WWE mark, but they think they're like geniuses. So like, like when like, SCU comes out, and I'm like, and me and Sylvia both agreed, we're like dumbfounded at how popular SCU is. Like, they're fucking singing along every fucking word of everything they can. Like, any anything that's ever said on being the elite is just being shouted the entire time. Like, it's crazy how like obsessed with like the elite, the people who go to all elite wrestling are. Like, uh, we were we were we saw that the merch lines had finally died down, and we were gonna go you know, watch, we wanted to go look at the merch, we wanted to see what the next match was, and I hear someone behind me go, oh yeah, let's see what the next match is before we decide if we're going to get merch or not, and the Brandy Rhodes promo starts playing, and they're like, oh no, 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 we gotta stay for this, and I'm just like, that was like, that match is atrocious, like that match is just straight up bad, and like that's what they want to stick around and see, because Brandy's on being the, or, or what is she on, like all, the road to fight for the fallen, like, she's on being the elite too. Yeah, so it's just like it's like shocking to me how like obsessed they are with like all the characters from from the series, and it's like good for them because it means that they're going to translate well to TV. But like some of that shit just blew my mind, and I, I feel like you probably agree with that. Yeah, it was it was interesting. I feel like the grouping of fans was the only thing I will say is it's it does have a similar feeling to like when ROH was kind of hot too, of just like people actually talking to each other. I feel like WWE shows and even sometimes like other indies I go to, it seems like people just kind of stay in their own groups. But at that AEW show, and there was, like, people trying to, like, just having conversations, which is kind of cool. Like, you can kind of feel how excited everyone is to be there. And that's happened at Fighter Fest and this one to me, where it's just, you can feel that people really want to love what's happening, even when it's not super great. And I think that's, it's going to die away eventually, but it is kind of a cool thing. Like, I liked being there and the energy of just, like, people who wanted wrestling to be good. Because so often, I mean, we do a wrestling podcast. How often do we shit on things? All the time. Wrestling fans are well, so... we try not to. We, we, we do all the time. Wrestling fans are so negative about everything. So it's kind of cool to just, like, go and experience wrestling where everyone's, like, happy and, like, loving everything. 
Yeah, that is true. It, it was fun um, having people like like the people who sat down next to us in our original spot. They just immediately started talking to us and like they were all like super nice. Um, and then you see like like we had the we had the woman in front of us who like had never been to a wrestling show and she's taking all the videos and uploading them to Facebook and she got the tickets for free. Like like you get to you get to you do get to meet people and they're like super nice and approachable there. Where like I don't think that GCW shows are like necessarily not like that, but like they're definitely I definitely felt like it was easier to talk to people here than like it like a like a gcw show or i mean there's not people to talk to at ring of honor so uh yeah the, the other seven people there i'll be like oh eh, pretty good night right <laughs> like, but uh yeah, yeah I, that I, might... go ahead i might sound a little negative on this but like when i go to shows like please just leave me the fuck alone like i i honestly just don't want to talk to other people like i don't know it might be a social anxiety thing or it might just be me like not wanting to talk to people about wrestling in public but i don't know i do a wrestling podcast now so i better get used to it but uh like with the aew fan stuff like aew is obviously very sick and like it's gonna be a good thing but like i don't know i think the fans are just like too high on everything and i hope it does die down eventually because it's not a good thing when they're like reacting so strong to everything because it's like i agree with that eventually it's gonna turn to shit because like they're so used to everything getting a good reaction i think think this show is the first time they had something get a bad reaction too i really like uh i like the i'm talking about the hangman kip match that real that got nothing from the crowd and i mean i think i think this show in general was kind of like i'm sure you guys had a great time like going to a show live and like watching it is definitely like a complete opposite like experience but to me this show was definitely the weakest of the three and like it kind of showed that like they can't do shows like so soon together, which is an obvious thing. Like no other promotion really does, but it was a weird circumstance, but it definitely showed like that stuff has to be spaced out. Right. And like I said, this was definitely the weakest of the three so far. I agree. And on paper, like leading up to the day, I thought this was going to be stronger than fighter fest too, but it, it wasn't. I mean, I think this match had a match. I enjoyed more than any match at fighter fest, but fighter fest as a whole was better. Yeah, I would, yeah. I would agree with that. I think that uh, I thought this was like I think a lot of it had to do too with the fact that it was like 95 degrees outside. So it's like you had you had wrestlers get tired in the ring, but you also had a straight up exhausted fan base. Like the the fucking whole show was just like beat. They were like fanning themselves the entire time. Like everyone was exhausted by like what like probably- they all need to chill. It was not that like I did not feel that hot. No, like everyone no, with I- the fans the whole time. I was like, guys, this is like a nice summer night in florida like there had to be a lot of people who weren't from florida was my takeaway yeah i i would agree with that but like regardless of if we specifically thought it was too hot or not like i was i was just tired from getting in that morning but like yeah but what i'm just saying is that like majority of the crowd seemed to be too hot and it seemed like the wrestlers too were like overheating in the ring um so like I just think as a whole that the heat factored into it kind of what was that wrestlemania where, where bret hart headlined against yokozuna God, I can't think of it off the top of my head. But it was like that, where it's like, like, it, it, some of the stuff just felt like it would have gotten a better reaction if people weren't exhausted, and then like some of the, it, it felt like some of the matches might have lacked a little bit because people got more tired than they expected. Um, so it, it just it just had like that kind of vibe to me towards the end of the night, and then obviously ended up running over on time, and it did also just have some straight up bad matches on it, and it's like. I'm I'm glad that bad matches got no reaction, but I also want them to not have like, I don't know. They 
we can we can talk about those if we need to. I guess it's not on the list, but they do need to do something different with Hangman because the shit they're doing right now is not working. One thing with that Hangman page match, like we're not going to talk about it, so I'm just going to bring it up now. Like you can like write it up due to the fans being so tired, but like they really got to stop with the like, oh my god, who's behind the mask? It's Chris Jericho thing. Like, Dude, we were so mad about that. Like yes. we know who it's it so is. It's so stupid. It was yeah. so dumb. That whole part didn't need to happen. And then he just came back out later. Like, I, mean, I like, was like, oh, he's going to do a microphone thing here. That makes sense. And yeah. I mean, like, Jericho, like, is always, like, talking about how, like, he is a creative genius. But, like, he's always, like, he knows he's a creative genius and he's always flaunting it. And it's like, dude, if you're a creative genius, you need to do something other than, like, show up in a mask and, like, unveil yourself like it's some big, like, shocker. Like, it was a shocker the first time at All In. But, like, he's just been, like deteriorating it more and more like yeah he, he's he's do, he's doing the same thing like way too often i agree um but it was fun to make jokes about it being rhino because rhino just did it in slam anniversary and got like a yes that was funny that you made me laugh super hard when he, <laughs> he even, came out and he starts, he goes it's rhino and started screaming i was cry- i started crying laughing <laughs> it's like we know who it is uh one more question about the show did you guys see farah and farah going fucking ape shit the whole time no, I didn't see that. No, I didn't yeah. see that either. They kept showing them on camera. You know, they're like the lawyers or whatever that yeah. sponsored the show. They kept showing them on camera front row, and they were so fucking annihilated. And it looked like they were just having like the time <laughs> of their lives. It was incredible. All right, let's talk about the camera real quick. Um, because, so, I, if, if, I, when you watched them, was it during the, it was during Omega Shima match, the, there was probably the spot where you're like, Hmm, everyone's cheering a shit ton and we can't figure out why. So they didn't have the camera displaying the matches the entire time. And then at the, like, I think it was during Omega Shima, they showed, like, they were on the outside and they started, like, showing the live stream on the big screen. And everyone started fucking just exploding. Like, it got a bigger pop than Hangman by a mile. (laughs) And then, and then they turn it off and it just gets, they just boo the place down. And then it comes back up and everyone's going crazy again got ter- take, taken off again, and then people are just chanting about the camera. Um, but I know that this happened at Fighter Fest, too, where people were like, we can't see anything. Um, I don't understand why they're so resistant to just showing the fucking event at the event. Yeah, I mean, like, it, I don't know. You would think it would be common knowledge that, like, you should put the live stream up. I don't, I don't know. It's stupid. Like, a lot I think it's something to do with the filming is what everyone said. Like, they don't want it to show on the back, but it's like, I, I really need them to prioritize. I'm like, I don't know, the live fans. Like, I'm, I'm here giving money. Like, make sure I'm enjoying the show, too. I mean, I would imagine there's some sort of delay, like a few seconds, but like, it doesn't matter. Like, still just fucking put it up. Like, well, so, so like when I used to go to like, when I went to like, I went to the first NXT TakeOver, uh, the one, well, not, not first NXT TakeOver, the first TakeOver Brooklyn. And uh, that that had the same issue, where like they weren't showing anything on the on the uh, the screen, and everyone's like chanting, "I can't see shit." And then they finally put it on for I, I think just like one match, and people like went fucking crazy for just that. And then they then they kept turning it off. It happened at Fighter Fest too. I can't remember during what match, but it kept happening because Fighter Fest it was worse about like the only nice part about Daily's Place versus Oceans is if there's like a brawl to the outside, you kind of see it. At Daly's place still, because you were kind of like back a little bit. At Fighter Fest, like if someone brawled on the other side of the ring, I couldn't see them at all, and then just sucked because there was no like it. Uh, no, during the hardcore match, it happened. 
I don't know. Yeah, I just thought the whole setup of it, like when you actually got looked at, like looked at the ring, it looked very strange having like the ramp go connected to the ring and then it's like it cut off like half of the side. But like I don't know, I don't know. I hope that that's not where they run their TV. I thought the venue looked really cool, but like I could definitely tell that like being there, it would not probably be that good. Like you could tell that it was probably a hard time seeing everything, and like the whole ringside setup was really strange. Like the way they put those seats and stuff. I yeah, don't know. It, I thought it was cool looking, like aesthetic wise, but seating wise, it just didn't look that ideal. I also saw that my arch nemesis, Hot Dog Man, was in the front row. Uh, and got Kip, by Kip Sabian. Yeah, Kip Sabian. The best thing he did in that whole show was he kissed Hot Dog Man. Yeah. Oh shit! I saw that. That was fucking great. That was super and, funny. Uh, Hot Dog Man looked like, uh, like, kind of like offended uh, at first, and then was like, "Oh wait, I'm supposed to be like cool about this." <laughs> and, and like before he could like put his Hot Dog Man stick on. He was just kind of stand. He was just like dumbfounded, off camera, boom, gone. And like, that's what I like to see. I want to see more bad things happen to Hot Dog Man. <laughs> Hot Dog Man confirmed homophobe. <laughs> you heard it here first on Spotfest. Hot Dog Man versus Epi in the next Twin Gauntlet. Book it. Let's make it happen. You All right, it. but I think that's that's probably about it for our fight for the fallen. Uh, yeah, oh, that went way longer than I even expected us to talk about it. It was fun. Like I I enjoyed my time, but also. Getting to hang out with our friend Aaron that came down and Travis, like I, it was gonna be hard for me to walk away from that show and not have like, in, or the weekend and not have enjoyed myself. Yeah, so we, I'm probably, I, I'm higher on it. I'm sure. I think we're gonna talk about that match later. I'm sure. Actually, I know we are. That match is one of the best matches I've watched live. Like I was going crazy. Yeah. Um, but like outside of that, like it wasn't a great show, but it, it was fun. I mean. Live wrestling is just so much fun. I don't get to see enough of it from where I am. I'm, I know you can most likely relate to that too, um, Eric. But, like, I don't get to see enough of it. So every time I get to see it, I'm going to enjoy it, even if it's not the best. Oh, yeah, 100%. I had... Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say 100%. Like, going to shows, like, Virtual Pros talked about it once where, like, they were at that CZW show with Onita and, like, everyone's shit-talking it online. But, like, you're having the time of your life and it's definitely true like watching it on your tv is such a different experience and you have so much more like i guess uh i don't know what the right term is but you're just more uh open to shit talking it i guess like you're you're more critical at home yeah 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 like you can be the i don't want to say armchair quarterback but pretty close to that like you can just sit there and like talk about how bad everything is um, I was just gonna say that I had a great time too. Uh, I I was I had Sweet Theory for the first time, which was an amazing place, and then uh, we also had this place Millie Her- Murray Hillbilly, which was a uh, pretty whatever. So that was nice. Uh, I definitely don't think that Jacksonville is the second worst place in uh, Florida anymore. But uh, let's go! I helped turn it around, dude. Sweet Theory alone makes Jacksonville worth it. I wanted yeah. to go the second day, but we just woke up too late. Um, but yeah, I love I love Sweet Theory like 10, so much. Ten oh one, so they were already sold out. <laughs> but yeah, no, it it was fun. I would say everyone should still try and go to like an AEW show. I I would never say not to go to one, but uh, yeah, I just they they definitely could have picked a better place. But I also know that they ran that place probably for like next to nothing. So yeah, good on that's them for two that. AEW shows in two weeks for me, and uh, I enjoyed both. And like I came out being just as excited for the company as I was going in, which is cool because I mean they could have lost me easily. Like I definitely. 
I'm pretty open about being someone who, like, I've always liked the Young Bucks. I like Cody. I like Kenny Omega, but they could lose me. Like, I think if it was bad, I wouldn't be interested. They're doing enough stuff that kind of keeps me interested, which I appreciate. I also feel like I uh, don't want to watch this show back. Like, I had a go- I know I had a good time there, but I also know that with, like, the actual strength of the match quality, I don't want to watch the show back and have anything taken away from me from it. Whereas, like, usually I see matches that I'm like, like, I want to watch the matches that we're going to cover, but, like, I don't want to watch the whole show, where usually with yeah. AEW, the other two AEW shows, I straight up got off work, like, fucking floored it to get home, watched the entire thing until, like, 4 a.m., and then went to work at 9 the next day, and just didn't give a motherfuck because I wanted to watch it so bad. Yeah. That, that would not have been the case with this. But... I agree. After all that, um, let's talk Time Bomb. Yeah. yeah. I guess let's do that. Uh... Time Bomb uh, 3 was a huge success. Um, it was our first time in Fargo at the Aquarium. Uh, great venue. Um, a shit ton of people came from Canada, which is insane. Uh, people came from Iowa, Minnesota, all over the place. Um, so I'm going to have a little Spot Fest exclusive announcement here. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, it'll be announced in the evening, but you're going to get a little early bird special. Uh, time Bomb 4. We're coming back to the aquarium in Fargo, uh, October 11th. It's a Friday. Uh, the card is going to be in the opening match. We have uh, Airwolf from MLW. He's also uh, first wrestling's Wrestlepalooza champion versus his little brother, Angel Dorado, which should be an insane high-flying match. Uh, they're going to jump off a ton of shit, probably. It's going to be great. Uh Second match is probably the biggest match in Time Bomb so far. It's uh, Colt Cabana versus Japanese legend Kiku Taro in what should be a seven-star match. Insane. And then our main event is going to be Cody Rice versus Oren Veidt, our two aces, so to speak, that have been just tearing through everybody at the past three shows. So we're going to have a little culmination of the past year since this will be pretty much a year since Time Bomb won. So we're going to have Cody Rice versus Oren Veidt for the brand new Time Bomb Heavyweight Championship. So it's going to be a really good time. Uh, follow Time Bomb on Twitter at Time Bomb Pro and Instagram Time Bomb USA for all the updates on everything. That's yeah. such a goofy show lineup. Like you, you texted us that and I immediately was like, all right, like how far is Fargo from me? Like I was legitimately interested in being like, how can I make this work? It's a 21 hour drive. So let's fucking do it. Yeah. Uh, what is it for, for me? It's about, Oh, I can't remember 28, 28 yeah. hours for me. Yeah. That's what I was looking up. And a flight is like almost six hours. I have never been to like, I mean, I, I was just in Montana, but like, I kind of want to go to North Dakota, even though I know that once I get there, not going to be shit to do. Uh, Fargo's pretty chill. If you guys came for a day, there would be more than enough to do. But let me know if you guys want to come. You can crash on my futon. I will. Uh, I'll definitely get back to you. What was the date on that again? Uh, October eleventh. All right, word. I'll keep that in mind. It is right before um, my birthday. Hell yeah, dude! We'll take you to the strip club. <laughs> yes. I'm not turning twenty-one, but I appreciate it. Not yet. You're not. One day you will. <laughs> One day. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, so uh, I guess we should probably talk about some some wrestling. Um, do you guys want to just? I guess let's we'll just stay on the topic of time bomb. We're gonna get into our matches of this week, and we'll start off with a, a review of uh, the Twink Gauntlet from Effie. Uh, so 
uh, either one, I guess, Eric, you should probably be the one to cover this because this was your show. So go ahead and, and give us a little review of the Twin Gauntlet. Silvio, you watched this thing in full, didn't you? I did watch this in full, yes. Uh, this was, I was so excited. The minute this got announced, I was excited for this. It, it was so cool. Like, it was, I'm a huge fan of it. This, I want to throw out because people are probably, if you're listening and you're thinking, oh, they're just going to cover Time Bomb stuff now, you should know that my allegiance to Effie is, like, way deeper than my allegiance to Eric. Um, more than <laughs> anything like that, that is why this was going to get covered. More than, Like, this would have been on this show without Time Bomb, like, be, or Eric being involved with this show. Yeah, I'm actually paying them a shit ton of money to just constantly plug time bombs. So yeah, I wish you were paying me money. God, yeah, I was gonna say, Daddy got bills. Silvio, you gotta pay me. <laughs> All right, so I guess we'll start with this thing. Uh, Effie came out to a huge, huge pop. People loved him. Uh, they could not believe that a guy had Daddy on his trunks. Uh, that was probably the thing that caught everyone's attention. Those the trunks are so sick. I feel like that has helped him so much just because it's such like a jarring thing to like turn and see. Dude, there is so many pictures that people took of just his ass. We might we might have to make that the cover for this episode. Let's do it right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do that. I'll, I'll edit it tonight. Thank so you. We started the Twink Gauntlet with uh, Lucas Alexander. Um, we have no clue where the fuck he came from. He was not a Twink at all. Effie was pissed, as he should have been. Um, he called himself a twunk, whatever the fuck that is. Um, so Effie took out his anger on him and attitude adjustment him through the door. And that was just like a super quick uh, victory for Effie. Uh, I forgot to mention before that our photographer, Chris, we call him Frank. He, for some reason, got involved in the Twink Gauntlet. He thought he had a chance. So <laughs> he, goes up, he goes up to Effie, takes his shirt off, and starts trying to slap Effie. And they were the weakest slaps I've ever seen. And Effie choked him out in probably 10 seconds or so. So that was already two super quick victories for Effie. And then uh, the legit Twinks started coming out. Um, first off, we had uh, Shane Black who got on the mic and tried to say that he wasn't a twink. Uh, bro, he was a twink. Yeah, yeah, yeah a fucking yeah. twink, bro. Yeah, Silvio, do you want to add anything to this? I, I don't really want to go through the whole thing myself, so if you want to pitch anything, just... Uh, yeah, for sure. Up. I mean, yeah, I don't know Do you want if you want to go, like, minute-by-minute minute breakdown of it or how you want to do it more so. Minute-by-minute really, breakdown. Minute-by-minute minute breakdown. Well, first, Effie called him a twink, and then he slapped him, and, uh, and then uh, he called another person a twink, and then he slapped him. No, um... It was cool. Um, more so just going over – I feel like we kind of more like broadly talk about things. I love just how much that crowd loved every minute of what was going on because that's a really weird concept. Like it's it's something that isn't being done, obviously. Like it's, it's the first – if that has ever happened any other time, please, someone cite me. But I'm pretty sure it was the first Twink Gauntlet in professional wrestling. Yeah, uh, please fucking cite me. If please cite me because I want to see it if it's happened. Uh, but it was it was super funny and it was just Effie at his best. Like he is someone that if you let him just do what he wants, it's gold. He can talk really well. His wrestling is solid. The ending genuinely surprised me and I loved it to death, which I don't know if you want to talk, go more in depth with that because I don't remember exactly everything. I remember what happened slightly, but it was so cool and I was just, I wasn't expecting it. I expected him to just go through twinks forever. I love the stuff that Effie does. So I watched the first, I think, four people in this match, um, and then I, I got sidetracked. I didn't get to finish it. 
But um, I love the shit that Effie does. Like, like there was a spot where he was sitting in a chair, and I, I forget the name of the twink that was slapping him, but he's like, "Harder, you bitch!" And Effie just <laughs> worked like, like works like little comedy spots in there so much that I think are just like, I I don't know. I think that the way he wrestles and the way he works that stuff into his wrestling is like truly like one of the best. Like, it, I think he's one of my favorite comedy wrestlers out there right now. But he's also not a comedy wrestler. He's just a good wrestler who like works like little bits like that in of just just his fucking personality to make the matches like so much more entertaining so much funnier and set them set them above everyone else's matches on like on these cards he works uh and i i just i don't know i love the little nuances that effie has uh for uh for like comedy in his matches and i thought this was like a great example of that but like, i didn't get to see the ending so i gotta i gotta watch the ending if you guys don't want to if you guys want to spoil it for me now i'd love to hear how it actually went down yeah, before we we definitely will spoil the ending for you. Don't worry. But before we do that, um, I want to throw the best because what you're talking about. Every time he does it, it reminds me of when Kevin Steen was really big on the indies because that was his thing. Yeah. It was like he'd be having a normal match and he would just drop something in that was funny and then immediately kick back into a normal match. And it's that level. Like I, what I love when watching Effie's, I just to me personally, I see someone that I'm shocked more companies aren't kind of building themselves around because not only is he a nice person outside of the scenes that I know personally, but he's a good wrestler, he's funny, and he gets over literally anywhere. I watched him in Pavo, Georgia get over. Pavo, Georgia has a population of 600 people. So I mean, You see that tweet that was like uh, saying like it was like at like all of the elite and I was like, yo, please sign Effie to AEW. Be a great sign and after he quotes me and said no please don't do this i need another year on the indies to get my money up <laughs> uh God. one thing one thing before we get to the ending of this match um and spoil it for travis i just want to shout out the twinks like we definitely like made fun of them a lot but like they're the four the last four before the ending are super super talented graduates of uh the academy out of minneapolis which is uh mr anderson's school um the Twinks were Shane Black, who is probably the youngest out of all of them. Uh, he was great. Uh, second was Levi Cruz, who was actually on 205 Live not that long ago uh, in a squash match with somebody I can't remember. Uh, Riley Jackson, who is becoming kind of a deathmatch wrestler, but not really at the same time. Uh, he's flying to the UK in a couple weeks and doing a full tour out in the UK. And then uh, Devin Monroe was the last one. And Devin has been wrestling for less than a year. And he is fucking amazing. Um, Rise in Chicago just recently did a Pride show. And they had a um, seminar with uh, Cassandro the Exotico. And one of the people from the seminar was going to get picked by Cassandro to be on the show. And Cassandro picked Devin because Devin is such a fucking good wrestler. And he has so much charisma. Um, definitely be on the lookout for all of those guys. Um, Devin Monroe is going to do huge things. He's fucking incredible. So if you haven't watched the Twin Gauntlet, please watch it. Um, it's honestly some of the best wrestling I've ever seen. It's my favorite match I've ever put on, and it's probably one of my favorite matches I've ever seen. I can uh, definitely echo that, too. Like, I think it is something that people might look at and think it's just a funny thing, because it is funny. There are parts of it that are very funny, uh, but it's actually a really good match. The speech from Effie at the end is really good, too. I love every single thing he is doing. It's just, it's such a cool, refreshing take in wrestling in general. But it's definitely, listening to this, like, this is probably the match, if you're listening, you haven't watched. This would be my first recommendation of what you should watch out of what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, go ahead, Travis. No, 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 it's okay. I was just going to echo that this this is like probably the one of the most like it, I, like we always talk about this. We say this with like hardcore. We say this with wrestling. We say this with a lot of things where like, it's so hard to find something that's like truly unique and like you will literally not find a single fucking thing that resembles a no ring twink gauntlet. So like this <laughs> is something you need to go check out. It's fucking awesome. Also, our ref Clark Feldman. He's a great ref. Uh, you'll see him on like GCW, like Midwest shows and stuff. He's going to do big things. Uh, he stripped down to some hot pants and fishnets for this match, which was fucking incredible. So that's right at the beginning of the video. Like there's so much in this video that it, you have to watch it. Like it's, it's so entertaining. Uh, to skip to the end, Effie went through six twinks and he was definitely worn down and, uh, before any more twinks could come out, we had a man in a bear mask come out and he kind of cut a little promo on Effie saying that he can go through as many twinks as he wants, but he hasn't faced his final boss, his final bear boss. And uh, the mysterious man unmasks and it's the husky heartthrob Cody Rice, who <laughs> is our resident bear. And he just beats the shit out of Effie and tosses him in a bear hug and puts Effie to sleep. So Effie lost the first annual Twink Gauntlet, which is uh, which is something that I definitely wasn't expecting, but I guess here we are. So maybe we'll do the rematch, a singles match, somewhere down the line. Who knows? Effie definitely wants his win back, and the people were pissed that Effie lost. So Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would love to see that match. I'm, I'm in. I, I say, I say let's, uh, let's, let's make it fucking happen. Yeah, it's gonna happen eventually. I I can guarantee that. So. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you of all people can. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So I think we're good on this match. So uh, let's go ahead and move on to. Uh, I guess let's uh, let's 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 go back into the AEW stuff. Um, and uh, let's start off with that triple threat tag match. Uh, cause I uh I don't think this was the best match on the card, but I think this is probably number two. Um, I loved this. This was like, this was like everything you'd want out of a PWG spot fest, but just yep. put in AEW with like, I feel like there was a tiny bit more storytelling element than you get with some of the PWG matches. Um, but like, otherwise it was just like that, but the, the, the like cohesiveness of a boy with his dinosaur, um, and like the ability of like Jack Evans and, uh, and Helico, like, together, like, they were able to, able to do so many moves I've just never seen before. The, obviously, like, the big one is Luchasaurus just fucking throwing Jack Evans up in the air, and then uh, uh, Jungle Boy catching him in that powerbomb. That was one of the fucking crazy... Like, the entire place erupted, because no, no one understood how that just happened. And I don't even know if that's possible to do with anybody else but Jack Evans, but I'm glad they fucking figured out that they could do it with him. Um, I thought that... I thought this match was so cool i loved uh the what silvio i'm sure you know what the smash brothers finisher is called i don't know what it's called but like that like the thing where he jumps where he uh the where is evil uno the big one yes yep yeah evil uno had uh him on his back and then uh Stu grayson right yes yeah grayson comes over the top and fucking hits him essentially into like a cutter i thought that was like that was another one of those moves i've just i've never seen that i thought that was fucking awesome to see like this I felt like I just got like a crash course in like new age tag team wrestling in this match, and I really fucking like that about it. Yeah, that finisher is called uh, Fatality. That's cool. 
Uh, I have a couple notes about the entrances for this match. Um, Jack Evans and Angelico, uh, they look like some shitty ass industrial goss. Like, they're incredible <laughs> wrestlers, but their gear is fucking horrible. And I think they should embrace it. Like, they should get, like, a whole, like, laser light show going on, and they need to come out to head like a hole by Nine Inch Nails. That would be um, sick. Amazing. I was waiting for Facade to come out with them. That's, like, the yeah. only thing I can think. Every time we see them, because I'm a big Facade fan. It's a shocker that he has not been on this podcast yet. But um, I'm a huge Facade fan. And uh, I was, like, bummed. I was like, dude, if I hear Go Ninja Go, I'm going to lose my mind right now. I, I would have lost my shit. And also, they their their gear looks like it was designed by like a child who likes motorcycles and glow sticks. And was like, <laughs> how can I put this together? And then he saw them, and he's like, oh, perfect. Like, and then throw in some swoop bangs from Angelico to, like, really make, really set it over the top. No, I, give, them, give them all, like, spiked gas masks and, like, yeah. get the laser light show going. And have one of those fucking like domes from the circus with all the dirt bikes going around it. Like, if Holy AEW, shit, that would be so cool. Yeah, dude. If AEW ever has like a WrestleMania, yeah, that really yeah. is. No pyro, just fucking like steel cages with motorcycles in them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's for charity, so it's like fine. Yeah, it's for charity. <laughs> uh, the other thing I was gonna say is Dark Order's entrance. Uh, those creepers are fucking stupid. Like, they, in my opinion, they bring down the Dark Order. Like, they make it seem like some, like, cheesy 80s, like, WWF gimmick. Uh, they make it seem like a current WWF gimmick. Um, but That's uh, true, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, okay, so, like, my, what I keep thinking the whole time I see the Dark Order, and you, you, know, you know how, like, there's, like, the video of, like, CM Punk in, like, the Mafia for John Cena's entrance and, like, they had like the NXT girls like as Triple H's entrance the one year and like I just like I just like I, I all I can think of when I see the like the little minions is think like hmm I wonder who this is gonna end up being like in a few years but like I'm not in any way pulled into this gimmick that's just the what, what I'm thinking I just think that I just think about like who is like who is this gonna end up being but other than that it's like it I mean honestly I think all three of the entrances were pretty shot uh, because like Marco Stun I don't know why he was there. I, I really, really do not like him in the slightest bit from, like, a wrestling standpoint. And then, like, he just kind of didn't add anything to, like, the Luchasaur, like, like up with his dinosaur, uh, like, entrance. So I thought that was kind of weird. So I think uh, pretty much all bad entrances on this one. I think they need to not do something with the Dark Order. Like, they need to get rid of the whole, like, gimmick idea. Like, just keep the name and, like, keep the way they look, but stop with, like, the minion thing. It's just not – no one cares about it. It's It's weird. It just, like, doesn't seem to fit. I get why they had to, but, like, I really wish they could have kept the Super Smash Brothers name. And just, oh, like, for sure. Just make them, like, a good guy team. Like, just make them, like, the fun team, I guess. Like, I, I completely understand why they had to change their name and stuff. But it just would have been so much better if they would have just been exactly the same. Uh, with the Marco Stunt stuff, I have it in my notes just saying, why the fuck is Marco Stunt there? <laughs> I mean, like, he played, like, a very minimal role in the match that, that did not need to happen at all. Well, like, and it's like, he hit that top rope Hurricane Rana. It's like, why the, like, yeah, he got kicked out of the match, but, like, why is that not a disqualification? Like, is there, like, a rule that I'm missing out on that, like, shouldn't have stopped the match because of that? Like, I don't know. Or, like, get the team ejected? I don't know. It's a I tag just, team triple threat, so technically isn't no DQ. Uh, oh, and, okay. Yeah, yeah that makes if you're sense, playing yeah. WWE 2K19, it is, but like, like not if you're like a normal match. I told, I turned to Silvio and said the same thing. I was like, why is this not a fucking DQ? Like, why is this match still going? Like, 
Marco Stunt is just getting involved. And that happened with another match, I feel like, where it was just like, oh, yeah, Chris Daniels' match, that, that SCU match, just, just blatant involved, like, like interference, and it just didn't stop the match. And I was just kind of like, okay, like, what are we doing here? Like, is this just, like, okay? Like, are these, are these non-DQ matches? Like, I, I don't know. I, th- I thought that shit was weird. Yeah, and I mean, like, I don't know. One thing with Marco Stunt, too, is I hope he becomes, like, the new Spike Dudley. Because, like, I think uh, it was Luchasaurus that, like, tossed him into fucking, I think it was Angelico. And I hope that just becomes a thing for Marco Stunt, where he just gets, like, gorilla-pressed, like, five rows into the crowd. Because that's probably the best utilization of him at this point. Yeah, I mean, when, when KTB did it, that's what made Marco Stunt look so fucking cool. Yep, exactly. So I, I agree. For that, I mean, stop. His matches are atrocious. So yeah. Well, did you see that one that he had with his brother at Backyard Wrestling? Because that was honestly pretty sick. Uh, no, I didn't watch it because I don't like his matches so much that I just went ahead and skipped. <laughs> uh, you should definitely watch it because it's just like, it's like fucking Logan Stunt stole like the Xbox controller and like they're just like slapping each other over it. It's pretty entertaining. They use light tubes and stuff, too. So if you want to see Marco Stunt get cut open. Uh, Joey Janela grounds both of them at the end of it, too. So <laughs> it's definitely worth watching. That is funny. But yeah, yeah that's um, all I got to say about this match, honestly. I definitely have a little more. This match, I was kind of shocked afterwards to see like how much I overrated it compared to other people. Uh, this was one of my favorite live matches I have ever watched. And I've definitely been there for like some matches that were rated pretty high. So, like, I like to think, like, normally I got a decent pulse for stuff like that. But that, like, minute of Luchasaurus just doing wacky stuff is one of the coolest segments I've ever watched in professional wrestling. Like, he was so – he was the most over person of the night to the point when they came out to do the check later. There's no way him and Jungle Boy were supposed to be there. But I think it's because of how over they were they had them come out to the ring Yeah, to kind of keep people to stay. It was – unbelievable how over they were from that one segment of just, and that was really what sold it. I mean, the whole match was great, but I just think that one like really long bit of offense with Luchasaurus just throwing everyone around that like crazy flip into the power bomb. Like it was just, if you aren't sold on them as a team after that match, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I, I don't know how to sell you more on them as a team than that match. They went to my favorite tag team at AEW in one match. I uh, I feel like like they were the star that came out of this event. Like like last time it was like Darby and uh, I mean there's a couple obviously private from, like, party. Yeah, private party and Darby were before, but like this one it was like the Luchasaurus show. Like that's that's what came out of it. Like Jungle Boy looked great too. Um, I I was saying this. I think I think Jungle Boy has gotten so like so when I saw him at they said it couldn't be done. He was absolute dog shit and I fucking hated him. And uh, I was like, this is the dumbest gimmick I've ever seen. And then fast forward to, like, spring break, which is only two months later. I'm fucking losing my mind when he comes out. And I think he's just been on such a fucking tear for the last, what, like, four months now? Like, he's he's stepped his game up so much. And I, I truly like watching him wrestle now, whereas before I, I could not fucking do it. So shouts out to Jungle Boy for uh, stepping it up there, too. Uh, but I guess we'll move on to the next, to the next match. Um, One last thing. Did either of you guys watch this back? Like, did you watch with commentary? I actually haven't. Uh, It's something I've been meaning to do. Um, I just, I honestly have not watched much wrestling in the last week. Uh, Uh, Jim Ross said something stupid. No, so it's actually Alex Marvez that said something really fucking stupid. Um, 
they've been pushing the whole like parts unknown thing for Dark Order, like every other like kind of paranormal gimmick that every wrestling company does. Um, and fucking Alex Marvez mentions how like they've been tearing it up in Canada for so long, and both Jim Ross and Excalibur are just like they're from parts unknown, you fucking dumbass. <laughs> and like he just completely spoiled the gimmick. Like it was hilarious. I love that. That is fucking hilarious. He's so stupid. That's yeah, the, dude, they were that's the one who did, did double or nothing, right? Yep. Yeah, he, that dude that dude needs to find a new fucking career because he's not <laughs> fucking commentating wrestling yeah they need to get rid of him just do it like it needs to be a two-man booth like it's just too much going on like they could even keep alex marvez and get rid of someone else and i would honestly be fine with it like it just needs to be a two-man booth i agree um i thought golden boy was honestly really good though so i would be like if it was golden boy excalibur and jim ross i could i could be with i could be fine with that i would rather just be honestly i would fucking watch it if it's just excalibur by himself the whole time Dude, exactly. Like, Excalibur could be the Joey Styles of AEW. Like, he is literally calling everything. Like, Jim Ross is just there for, like, oh, here, here's a voice that you should remember. Okay, here's the thing that was crazy. Uh, Jim Ross's pop was probably the biggest of the entire night, aside from, like, I was so mad. Yeah, like, I don't even know. Like, maybe, maybe Omega is bigger than him and, like, the Bucks, but that's about it. Like... Otherwise, he's he's the biggest he's the biggest pop in that company, and it is a fucking crying shame. But he also comes out when the crowd is white hot about to start, so it's like that makes sense. Like, uh, but still, he's like he's like what gets the crowd like ready to go for like the actual main event of the show. Yeah, I don't know, man. That novelty has worn off on me. Like, it wore it wore off pretty quick. Like, I never had the novelty. Yeah, I've been bummed since they up. hired him. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I, when New Japan did their first show in Long Beach, I was at that show. And, like, after the show, when Ross and uh, Barnett were, like, uh, going off the air, I was standing, like, two feet away from Jim Ross. I was like, holy fuck. And that was kind of, like, when it wore off. Because I was like, oh, I've seen him in person. Like, now I kind of, like, realize that he's kind of a shitty announcer now. Wait, was that the sh- That wasn't the show where Jay White fell into him and then, like, shot, and then him and Barnett, like, shot on each other? No, that was the uh, Cow Palace show. Oh, God. That was the fucking coolest. Also, I learned from uh, when I was heading to the New Japan show in Long Beach, like, quite a while ago, I was sitting next to Juice Robinson at the airport, and I asked him about that, because I thought it was a work, and he confirmed to me that it was 100% a shoot, which is <laughs> insane. Yeah, I love that. Jay White is the fucking man. I, I, we should have thrown in a Jay White match on here. Would I you? was thinking about it. I really, I liked the Goto match a lot, but I wasn't gonna say anything because, like, I by the time I finished it, it was already kind of late, and I was like, uh, I was like, I don't, I don't want to throw this in last minute, but I liked that match. Yeah, I was gonna say. So we didn't, we don't have it on here, but everyone should check out Jay White and Hiroki uh, Goto. Uh, it, it's amazing. Um, but uh, let's go on to our next match. Uh, let's let's keep. So we we got we got a couple of New Japan matches to get through. So let's keep it New Japan. Uh, and let's start off with uh, Evil and Ibushi. You guys cool with that? Yeah, I'm good with that. So yep. uh, this was from I think day two or day three. Um, uh, day three. Yeah, day three. I don't know. All the all the all the matches kind of run together because you watch so many. But uh, I thought that this was the best Evil match I've ever seen, and that's why I wanted to put it on here. Um, I know he had those like title matches with Okada last year, and they were pretty good too. But like, I've I've thought that Evil needed to go out by himself for a little bit, and I think that. 
starting him off of his like his like run like as like no longer an LIJ with uh Bad Luck Folly kind of I don't know that just kind of kills any fucking momentum he's got. But this match picked it all the way back up for me. Um, I thought this was like I, I mean the physicality of it with like them just like nonstop trading like clotheslines and uh, lariats and fucking uh, elbows the whole time. Like the second the, the match starts, they just sprint in and start elbowing each other in the face as hard as they can. Like um, and then. They both were, I mean, I think that Kota Ibushi probably has, him and Will Ospreay probably have, like, the best, like, clothesline, like, inside-out bump. I, I think that they're, like, the best ones at that. Uh, and this was another great example of it. Like, he made he made Evil look like he was the strongest man in the entire company. Uh, and then, like, they, they obviously, I thought the closing stretch of this, probably the last, like, 10 minutes of it with, like, the speed and everything you had, and then you had, like, the counters... You had all of the the big chops. The there was multiple times they did a did lariats where they landed directly on their head when they took the bump. Like I thought this was like just such a fucking fantastic physical match, and like this was like the evil coming out party that should have happened in Dallas, in my opinion. But I I loved this match. I'm not gonna say it's my favorite G1 match so far, but it's definitely top five uh, or probably top three of all the G1 matches that have happened so far. I can yeah. echo that for sure. I This match I actually had watched today. I've been pretty behind, but uh, thanks to friend of the show who now was bullied to listen to the show, Bradley. Um, I've been watching the G1 finally, and uh, we watched this one. And pretty much I feel like we both had, a, me and him had a similar takeaway of just those kicks that Ibushi was throwing were ridiculous. Like right off the bat, they were so loud. And it was just like, what do you have to do as a human, as evil, to like take those and not just fall over immediately? Because like those are full strength just dead into his chest. Like that is, it was absolutely crazy. It was reminding me a little of the other New Japan match that we're going to talk about later. Of just, it was a lot, it was really hard hitting. And, yeah, Evil looked like a star here. I mean, it's hard to have a bad match with Ibushi, but he really held his own and was a good part of this match. It wasn't like Ibushi was carrying it. It was both of them had parts I really love. Like, I love Evil's entrance. I loved him as Watanabe when he was coming over in Ring of Honor on uh, doing his, um, what's the word I'm using? the Young Lion excursion. I loved him during that. Like, I watched him have a match with Jay Lethal that was amazing um that I, I like i really it was one of my favorite ones of that weekend when they did war of the worlds but uh he's really good he's always been a pretty good wrestler and uh i can't wait to see more from this g1 just because like i feel like even the worst people are having okay matches uh not that i think evil's the worst but it's just he's on the lower end of that totem pole for me when you look at this block and he's coming out and having these nuts matches See, and what I liked so much about this match was just that, like, he is on the lower end of the totem pole in LIJ, but, like, you don't want to, like, have someone leave the leave the faction and then just be, like, a lower guy. Like, you want to have it build up, and I thought it was, like, I thought this was a good way to build up from it, like, with, like, with how good the match was and how, how he looked like a fucking absolute star. Um, like, I think this was, like, the perfect coming out party, like I said. Um, I was kind of shocked, though. I did not expect Ibushi to lose, so, like... Abushi sitting at, I mean, sorry if anyone hasn't hasn't watched off the year, but right, I do just want to point out that right now we're sitting here with like Tanahashi, Abushi, uh, what Zack Saber Jr., like all of them sitting at two losses, like no wins. Uh, Naito too, like telling you because Jay Jay White is winning. Well, and oh, Jay White just dropped one, dropped that one to uh, he dropped that one to fucking 
Um, he he did, but I'm telling you, all these, all these losses happen. Jay White's winning the whole G1. That's all I'm saying. I don't know, man. I'm just saying that right now, Tai Chi has a better record than Naito. I think it's Tai Chi's <laughs> here. In my opinion, the G1 is like the best uh, scenario to create like new stars. And I think the beginning of the tournament is like the spot to do it at. Like, look at someone yeah. like Lance Archer. Like, they're definitely like these guys can afford losses at the beginning. Because when it heats up near the end, like, they're going to start fucking dominating. So I think it's just a good way for them to try and, like, elevate people like Evil. Like, kind of push him beyond, like, oh, a member of LIJ. And kind of push him more into, like, a singles. Because, like, New Japan is definitely going through, like, a transition era right now. Like, they need to create more stars and stuff. Like, they obviously have, like, a new ace in Will Ospreay. Like, who's going to become their ace eventually? But I think they need to just keep creating stars. Yeah, we're at a point now where it's like everything feels fresh except for the title picture, and it's like this is the chance to like make it seem like like Okada has new challengers. And I think so far through, we're recording this. At, I know there was one today. I don't think any of us watched it, so we're recording this after four days of of uh, best. I mean, I'm sorry, of G1, and they've done a great job of making people look like like viable opponents for uh, for Okada, which is like a big deal. Yep. Yep. Uh, I had a couple notes for this match. Uh, the main one for me is, like, I'm not a safety officer by any means, but it's kind of scary to watch Kota Ibushi matches at this point because, <laughs> like, he looks, like, he's obviously, like, physically there, but, like, when he's wrestling, like, if you look into his eyes, like, he looks like he's, like, mentally just gone. Like, I don't know if that's just really good selling or if, like, his brain is literally just mush at this point, but, like, he just looks so out of it like all he knows how to do is just wrestle and that's it like nothing else it, it's honestly kind of scary but sick at the same time yeah i can understand what you're saying uh but i don't know we talked about that before it's like it's on them if, like if they want to do this so like oh 100 yeah but i that does that did bring up that i didn't want to talk about one more thing which is there's probably nothing in professional wrestling that makes my dick harder than a a, a, a no sell spot so them both no-selling fucking German suplexes back-to-back, that was one of the fucking coolest spots that, of the entire G1 for me so far. I was pretty hyped on that because I didn't see it coming. Like, yes. I, it popped in a really good part of the match where it was, like, kind of heating up but not really there yet, and that yeah. really kind of kicked that gear up and got exactly. me so excited. They, they did that, and they're like, all right, we're bringing this motherfucker home, and this is about to be a good-ass match. And I don't know if you guys have been checking, like, grapple reviews or anything like that, but so far, I think the only matches that haven't gotten at least three and a half have been the two Yano matches and the two by the Bad Luck Folly matches. Everything else has been like right around four, which has been pretty fucking cool. So I, 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 we could have picked any matches from this, but I don't know. This was one of my absolute favorites because of like just the fucking intensity that, that Evil brought. Um, but I think we're good on talking about this one. If you guys want to move on to the next one, uh, yeah, sure. Thanks. Sorry, oh, I'm also sorry. talking horrendously. I don't know why I can't say any words right now. Uh, did you guys catch uh, Ibushi doing the Nakamura taunt? Yeah. Yeah, he's, was... he's been doing that since Madison Square Garden. Okay, that makes sense, because I haven't watched New Japan, like, at all. And I was like, holy fuck, like, where did that come from? That was probably my first Ibushi match since Madison Square Garden, so that makes sense that I didn't catch that. Right, so going into Madison Square Garden, he uh, he said that he, like, he reveres the IC belt because Nakamura and Tanahashi both had them, and they're both gods. So oh, he, okay. so he. That's why I think he, 
I don't remember if he won the belt against Naito with the with the uh wow, what the fuck do they call it in New Japan? Not the Kinshasa, the fucking the what new, what? The new what? Oh, uh, Bumaye, isn't it? Yeah, Kumaye, yeah, yeah. Uh he wins. <laughs> Jesus no. what, what what is it? Bumaye. Bumaye, whatever the fuck. My bad. Sorry. I know by the WWE term. I'm a fucking, I'm a fucking, this is my first time watching wrestling. This is my first week watching professional wrestling. Travis um, is out here like, I love Piero Resu. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, uh, he's been doing that, like, since then. Uh, so, uh, that, that's why he did, like, the, the, the nod to Nakamura. And they talk about it, like, immediately when it happens. Okay, that's super interesting, because I had no idea what the fuck was going on. Yeah. They didn't just like he's not just like taking his gimmick. They they like it's it's like it's like remember that one time when uh when Ric Flair was on Miz TV and then the Miz has done the figure four ever since. Yeah. It's like that. It's like yeah. hey, I want to add I want to add your move to my move set. So it's like he just says like I love Shinsuke and everyone's like oh yeah okay cool and then he just does his move. Um. <laughs> But uh, let's go. Uh, let's let's we're, let's do something we've never done here before. We're gonna talk about WWE. Um, <laughs> so this is like WWE in like a in like a positive way. Like a match. Travis has hit real hard that we would never talk about them on this podcast. I want to throw that out. He was and, uh, he's, he, he tried to big dick that we would never talk about them. And and I did not watch the match. I will not be talking about this match. Um, but you guys can go ahead and, uh, the floor is yours to talk about Alistair Black and Cesaro. I will say before this, I love Cesaro. I've wanted to see him like get a push for so long and they, they always would shut the door on that as soon as it started. So if he's getting a push now, I hope that that's awesome. It's too late, but, uh, I love that man. He's one of my favorite professional wrestlers. So, uh, I, I am, I am happy that he's the first match we ever have from WWE on here, but yeah, yeah. Go ahead and talk about it. Damn. You're about to be real fucking bummed out, bud. Why did, did Alistair Black did he job out? I mean, he didn't job out because obviously, if we're talking about this match, this wasn't some like jobber match. Um, they're, con- they're continuing the feud too. Like that, Cesaro's gonna get some wins in on this. I would not be surprised if they do a best of seven. Honestly. Oh god, that's what that's what led to the fucking. That's how they did the team with him and Sheamus. They had a best of seven. They did. They had a draw in their in their seven match, and then they just became the bar. And I loved the bar. The bar was awesome. Yep. Uh, one thing about this match is. The buildup has been fucking horrendous. Like, for the past, like, three months, they've been doing this, like, Alistair Black just sitting in a dark room and reading, like, slam poetry. (laughs) I have not seen any of this, so I do not have this context at all. Okay, so the gimmick is him just talking about... He's using just a shit ton of big words. Like, it sounds like he just listened to, like, I don't know, fucking Sisters of Mercy for the first time. (laughs) And he's just like... Who will pick a fight with me? Who will knock on the door of my room? And it was literally three months of that. And then finally, like, someone knocked on the door. So, like, for three weeks, they were building up to who knocked on the door. And it was Cesaro. So Cesaro, like, sits down in this chair. And Alistair Black just has this dumbass smile on his face. And he's like, Cesaro. And that was the build up to the match. That, uh, is, so, that is exactly what I expected. Yeah, so uh, Alistair Black's entrance, he hasn't wrestled in a long-ass time on TV. Uh, I'm pretty sure the creaking noise of when his, like, thing goes up 
was even louder this time. Like they like emphasized it. If you know what I'm talking about, that like shout out to Nick. That's Nick's favorite part. Dude, it's so sick. Um, Cesaro came out with this like brand new entrance that he has. It's amazing. He came out in this like blue turtleneck warm up jacket, and he just looked like such a fucking beast. Um, yeah, Silvio, do you have anything to add about this? Because Cesaro's new look is sick. I really liked it. Um, uh, this was a cool matchup. So I watched this honestly within the last like 30 minutes. And if you're listening to this podcast, you can realize that that was during the recording. Um, but yeah, I watched it. And uh, what really blew me away about this match was the pace of it. I have yeah, not yeah. seen WWE push a match like at this pace. It seems like they turned to them and were like, all right, guys, you got 10 minutes. Go for it. And yeah. it really felt like that. There was no down spot for 10 straight minutes or I think it was like nine minutes, something like that. But it was, it was really cool. It felt so different because it felt like they were like, you have 10 minutes, do whatever you want. Cause it's like, this did not feel like a WWE match at all. And that's kind of sad because we're talking so highly of it. And it's one of the only like matches on the main roster that didn't feel like a WWE, like formulaic match. But I think it's a sign that like, they need to like, just let these guys do their thing. Like when it comes to like promos, matches, fucking everything, like quit like scripting them so much. Yeah. If you gave this match five more minutes, it was like a solid PWG match. It was a little shorter than one of those matches, but it was at that type of breakneck pace that it was almost weird to be watching it in front of like a larger crowd, like how it was, but it was, man, it was super hard hitting that knee that uh, I love every knee that black throws. They're so cool. And it's, He's a guy who's done Muay Thai, so his knees are very flush and look just correct. And the, when yep. he threw that one to Cesaro, it is that's the part that stuck out in the match the most to me. It was that, and then he did that one uh, kick where he literally hit Cesaro so hard it snapped his neck. Like Not like snapped his neck and killed him, but it like completely whiplashed his neck afterwards. It was This match was hard-hitting. It was fast. It was everything I wish WWE would do weekly, and they never will. But I'm happy that we got to get it from two guys that I genuinely love. Yep. There's a couple spots that I like want to talk about specifically in this match because like if you're not gonna watch this match, like I hope it can convince you to watch it because like this is not a WWE match by any means. Like uh Alistair Black has been using the Meteora a lot, and like so he goes for this Meteora, Cesaro catches him, like Alistair Black is still in the Meteora position. Um, and Cesaro fucking launches him into the air and hits him with the uppercut. And I fucking freaked out. Like he launched Alistair Black into the air, probably a good, like two or three feet. Like it looked really impressive. Uh, and then like near the end, right before the finish, there was this submission like sequence where Black spins him into a knee bar. Cesaro reverses it into a sharpshooter. And when he realizes that isn't going to do it, he changes it to a cross face and just the way they did it was so smooth and, like, just beautiful. Like, it was definitely, like, Zack Sabre Jr.-esque. And Daniel Bryan also did something on this show that was, like, pretty much orienteering with Napalm Death. Like, I don't know. I just love submission work so much. I'm the same way. I mean, that's why I've always said I really want a promotion to take blood sport and just make it what they do. I would watch every week. Like, I would yep. pay all the money for something like that. And I love it. But these... These guys are great, and it, it's more so, like, when I watch a match like this, I, I love it, but I get kind of bummed because it's like, you could put these guys at the top of a show and give them 20, 30 minutes, and they'll put on a match that's this entertaining. And I just wish we could get more of that because WWE has so many good wrestlers like this. There's just 
not using correctly. And I really wish they were. Like, I want to watch these guys have a match like this. I want to come on this podcast and say WWE was sick this week. Like, check out this match. Check out that match. I, like, I genuinely want that to happen, but it just hasn't been. But I really hope we do get some sort of, like, best of seven out of this because it, it would be awesome. Like, I would watch these guys wrestle any day. How many I've, of those seven matches do you think that Lacey Evans is going to be the uh, referee for? At least five. <laughs> uh, I honestly love the time of this match. Like, I'm going to talk about it with Omega and Shima, but, like, I'm a huge believer in matches, like, being, like, ten minutes or under. Like, I think it shows a lot more, like, what you can do with your time and how you can utilize it. And, like, there's definitely, there's definitely a time and place for, like, 30 and, like, even, like, 60-minute matches. And, like, I just can't do it all the time. And I totally understand that I'm in the minority on that. But uh, one last thing is the finish of this match was a black mass out of nowhere. And it was fucking crazy. Like, they need to protect that finish as much as possible and, like, just build it into this, like, like you cannot pin out of it. Yeah, I agree with that. He, it, what's cool is this was a quick match that was super hard hitting in, I don't think Cesaro looks any worse than losing. He looks just as good. And this is perfect. Like this is a great pro wrestling match. You told, you started off with almost no story, but somehow they managed to make it into an entertaining match that I would watch again, hands down. I mean, it's only nine minutes and it, in a week where we have all these G1 matches to watch, there's a reason why we're bringing this one up. Not only because we like to kind of bounce around, it's our thing, but it is worth your time to go watch this. Like, I, this was definitely one of the better match. This is better than a lot of the matches on Fight for the Fallen. Well, like, John Pollock from Post Wrestling, like, on his podcast, he even said, like, you could throw this match into the G1 and it would fit. Like, and that's completely true. Like, this would be, like, a pretty good match in the G1. Like, it wouldn't, like, stand out as bad or anything. Yeah, I would agree with that. Well, if you guys want to move on to the next one, I think uh, we're running a little bit long. Yeah, uh, I I was just saying, we, uh, we, uh, yeah, okay. So let's go on to the next match. Um, I guess we'll go, you just talked about the Omega Shima match, and I I would like to talk about the, the length of matches, too. So I think this is a perfect one for it. So, uh, we're gonna talk about uh, this was probably like like Sylvia was saying. I thought this to me this was the best match on the card. I thought this was one of the best matches that I've seen live. Um, it definitely it definitely started slow, and I was bummed about that. And it's like I don't know. I felt like they were so set on hitting like the the, the fifteen to twenty minute mark that they that they kind of were on cruise control for the first like five. And then once it picked up, it picked up, and they, like, really went at it. But there was a lot of, like, just walking around and shit in it. But uh, I thought that, like, this was the, probably the match that, like, made people realize, like, oh, shit, Shima's, like, actually like, a fucking good-ass wrestler to, like, an, an American audience who hasn't, like, seen a lot of him. And uh, I also think this this was a pretty fucking good match for Omega, too, because it's, like, obviously he the match with Jericho was good, but, like, the match with Jericho gets overshadowed by Mox coming out at the end, in my opinion. Um, and then he had a six-man match, so it's like this was good to, to help both of them to help remind you that like oh yeah, Kenny Omega is the best wrestler in the world, and also Shima is a fucking incredible wrestler, and anyone who comes up with Shima is going to be just as good as him because look how fucking talented this dude is and innovative this dude is. So I love that match for this reason. Uh, to be completely honest, I haven't watched this match since I watched it live, and when I watched it live, I was just kind of like not bored but kind of just over it like 
I, like I said, I have the minority or the unpopular opinion here of just like, I just don't like the like super long and dramatic matches. So I'm just going to let you guys go, go on this one. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Um, this match, I agree that it started really slow. And I think if you just cut most of that opening, uh, it would have been a lot better. Like if you took like the first five minutes off this match, it probably would have been a lot more entertaining. I wasn't super high on this one. And I actually was kind of shocked that Travis put it on here. I, uh, just being honest. Um, yeah, honestly, I feel like I, I put it on here because I thought it was like really good. And the more I thought about this, I was like, man, I don't really remember much of this match anyway. It got good. Like the end of it got good. My biggest complaint I had about this match is that like uh, it seemed like Shima was playing like a video game and just stuck on doing the Meteora. Like he did, I feel like 30 of them in this match. And I know yeah. he does a lot of them, but this match really screamed to me that it was a... Uh, it showed that Shima was good. Like, you see kind of how innovative he is. It, Kenny Omega rarely, like, we're talking about this match like it's a bad match. I don't think it's bad at all. It just wasn't a, like, super, super high great match. Um, but yeah, he just kept doing the Meteora all the time. And Shima is someone who his best matches have been trios or tags. And sometimes if you give him these kind of longer matches like this, or most singles matches I see him have aren't as interesting, but he's a fantastic tag and trios wrestler. I hope they use him more in that capacity. It looks like they're kind of using him more as a singles, and it's not bad. It's just he's an older guy, and I think sometimes that shows a little bit. It kind of tends to do a slower pace, um, and that's really my one takeaway from this. This match got good. Like I don't want to sit here and act like I think this is a bad match. Um, the closing structure is great, as is almost any Kenny Omega match. The V-Trigger's going crazy. Um, the spot where he did, where Shima did the Meteora down to Kenny on top of those tables, super cool. Um, overall, definitely an enjoyable match. I think it was hurt by, later in the show, the crowd was kind of burnt out on top of, I think it should have been a little bit shorter, and I do agree with Eric on that, that you could have cut this match down in time and it would have been just as good. And this was a longer show for them too. Yeah, so I want to talk about the time thing. So like, I feel like a lot of like AEW's matches, like the all like their best matches have all ended up being like the fast ones so far, except for I mean, I think even Dustin and Cody was like what, like like fifteen minutes? Did that one go twenty? I feel like that was much longer than that. I could Maybe try to look 20. it up. Yeah, that <laughs> match was that match was decent. That was long. That might have been like a thirty minute match. All right. Well then ignore what I said there. I wanna talk I mostly yeah. want to talk about the time limits of time times of the G one matches anyway, so it's not really relevant to that. But uh I feel like a lot of these G1 matches have just been going, like, too long to try and pack a bunch of shit in. And then, like, you see, like, the Okada and, like, Zack Sabre Jr. match goes, like, 12 minutes, and it's awesome. And it's, like, I want to see just more shit like that. Like, I feel like, like, like you guys are saying, like, this nine-minute Cesaro and Alistair Black match, it's, like, you can do a completely competent and great match in less than 10 minutes. I mean, maybe 10 to 15, but, like, I don't think it needs to go much longer than that every time for me to understand this is, like, a good match. And, like, sometimes it's, like, the longer you go, the more it's just, like, wow, this is just, like, you did a bunch of cool shit, and now I'm just, like, over it. Like, I wish this was just done. So I, I do think that, like, they need to start, like, uh, some of these matches need to be, like, trimmed. And I also think that a lot a lot of matches lately I've seen where, like, they start and they just, like, it's, like, a four-minute feeling out process, and it just feels like filler time, and I just, I can't stand yeah. it. And I felt like that's what happened with this, too. It's, like... It was just so so long of just being like, oh, it's Kenny Omega and Shima. And it's like, okay, wrestle. And they're just, like, not doing it. And I just – it can get real boring just watching, like, these, like, long opening stretches of nothing happening. 
I think it's weird how Omega's mostly been used in AEW anymore. We were talking about this there live, but he just doesn't feel like a top guy there to me yeah. at all. Like, he just, he's kind of been involved in either, like, getting beat up. I mean, he had the thing with Mox, so don't get me wrong, there's something there, like, at, at Fighter Fest. But for the most part, he's mostly just been losing and been in okay matches. Besides, um, that trios match was fun, but I've seen a million of them. He really hasn't had that, like, standout singles match to me. Like, the Jericho one with him wasn't as strong as his other one he's had with him. So, I really, I'm hoping the Mox one with him does better or just something gets figured out. Because they're missing on a couple spots. Like, I feel... He is, like, I feel like Cody is a bigger deal right now. Yeah, I think Cody's been the shining star of the company so far, but I feel like what's happening is that they want to be able to build up a viable, like, opponent for Omega before he eventually, like, has the belt. And it's like, I think, obviously, I think they want Hangman to be that guy, and Hangman is just not delivering. So it's like, right now you have the presumable first champion being Hangman. Maybe it is Jericho, and then Hangman takes it off of him. But But even so, it's like, Hangman doesn't feel like he's, like, gonna have a shot against Jericho at this point and then you then you t- you look at Omega and it's like Omega's matches haven't been that good it seems like everything if, if they're gonna go off of a crowd feel it feels like it has to go with Cody winning the belt eventually because the other guys just they have not been booked and they have not delivered so far and like through like and that's I, I say not delivered but like Omega's matches have not been bad like this isn't a bad match by any stretch I think this ended up going like I think this got like four stars it's just that like, as a whole, they don't feel like they're so head and shoulders above everyone, and Cody matches have this, like, aura to them that, like, he seems like the guy who ha- who should be the logical first champion right now, but that also would Which be, like, a bad... Which is insane. Look. Yeah, no, I agree. I would have never said that coming into this company. I mean, I definitely was very big on the three-star general Cody type deal, but he... In AEW, every time he's out there, I'm semi-interested. Besides this tag match, I really want to watch the tag match from the show back because I, I was exhausted by the time it started. Yeah. But I haven't heard good things from people who watched it live either. But um, it's very weird like how they're trending. And I think it's really not fair for um, Hangman either because like you look at how he's been booked. It really hasn't been great. He won a battle royale in the buy-in. That was the first thing he did. Then he was in a random four-way, and then he wrestled Kip Sabian, who really is a nobody in this company at this point either, and kind of like an unknown guy. So I feel like they haven't been doing a good job of building him up and making me interested, which is weird. Yeah, I agree with that fully. Like they 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 need to be putting more into these. Uh, in, in, they need to be putting more into these two guys. Um, I understand they're trying to build everyone all at once, but it's like if you build everyone all at once, it, it doesn't always make it easy for people to have like breakouts and the people who have broke who have broken out have not been the people they've been trying to get to break out yeah so they got it they got to get that under control but um silvio let's talk about your match next um, let's go i'm yeah. so excited for this one um i know Luis is listening and he is definitely going to appreciate this is on here so this is uh triple a and em it's emw do some co-branded shows emw has been a company since about 2016 they run pretty sporadically for the most part uh, i don't i really wasn't able to f- find out too too much about them but that doesn't super matter for this but um this also i want to say is this the first time the king has been on this podcast nick gage yeah have we done in one of his matches didn't we do him in mancer for uh did we talk about him him and mance warner from slumber party massacre on the first episode I don't think we did. I think it got mentioned, but I don't think it was a match. But regardless, this is a match that was in Mexico. Um, wait, wait, wait. 
we did a I just we did a crushed up review. We did do a okay, so he has been on this podcast. I apologize. Survival. But there are three people that are about to pop up on this that have not been on here. Um, but this is a match that it was a four way death match that uh, AAA and EMW co-branded. It was the main event of this show. That This show, if you look at the lineup, has some wacky people on it. Eddie Edwards was in a match. Willie Mack was in a match. It looks like this really weird like AAA impact mashup that happened, basically, which is kind of funny. Yet somehow Nick Gage is there. But this match is Nick Gage versus Psychosis, that Psychosis, versus <laughs> Joe Linder, who is the Zona 23 legend. If you've watched any Zona 23, this dude is always just absolutely massacring himself by being thrown into like car windshields, thrown off buses just onto dirt on the ground while bleeding. And then this guy who I'm so excited to finally mention, but Pagano. Pagano is a Mexican deathmatch wrestler that is pretty well known because he just botches all the time. It's like a facade from five years ago as a deathmatch wrestler. Uh, it is amazing. He botches in the worst ways possible all the time. He's always like falling off ladders. There's one that he did. Well, oh my God. Luis would know this match too, and I can't think of it, but there's one where he was holding a ladder and he went to do a backflip with it. And the ladder like catches like halfway through and he just eats shit. <laughs> um, but it's just like a lot of stuff with that where he looks really cool. Like he, um, for some reason, Mexico just loves having these clown gimmicks, and uh, which makes no sense because the translation of his name is pagan. So I don't understand why he dresses like a clown. I might be missing something, but there's like Dave the Clown, um, Murder Clown, Psycho Clown. There's a whole bunch of them, the whole Psycho Circus. But uh, anyways... This match was a four-way death match that uh, I loved every minute of this. The video, we'll post it on our Twitter, is actually a fan cam. But for some reason, the fan like was really into like zooming in at certain points, even though it looked like absolute dog shit. <laughs> um, the number one, the first thing I noted from this is that the cameraman would not take the camera off Nick Gage. So yeah, when they were there. brawling to the outside. Um, Nick Gage, they followed Nick Gage and then you could just hear like light tubes and other things shattering and the crowd going crazy and you just see like Nick Gage and Psychosis walking through the, clou- uh, the crowd um, this match also really showcased just absolutely how irresponsible Pagano is a lot of the spots you see him take like just taking that boot scrape straight to the face um, with the light tubes and just getting kicked directly in the head by Nick Gage um The other note I had, uh, besides, well, there was the ref pulling the glass out of his hand. That was awesome. That was just a very nice, like, deathmatch touch that he didn't wear gloves. He's just, like, pulling glass out of his hands mid-match. It, like, not seeming upset about it. Like, he seemed like he was fine just, like, ripping glass out of his hands. But uh, the last note I have was there's one spot where they take, like, two minutes, it feels like, to set up this, like, whole chair pyramid. And then Nick Gage goes to – I don't know what he was trying to do. But it was uh, Joe Linder and Pagano were like kind of on the top and it looked like it was going to be a suplex onto these. And Nick Gage for like a minute is trying to find a way to like pull both of them down but from the side and not from the bottom. I think it was supposed to be like a four-way like kind of like a Tower of Doom situation. And he just in his brain could not figure out how to do this. So he just kept going for it and stumbling and falling and then eventually just said fuck it and powerbomb both of them onto it. And it was just so goofy. This is just... This sometimes I love watching matches like this because it's just a train wreck in the best way possible. You have your cool deathmatch spots. Um, the bar, the, the rope had like barbed wire in between it, but they were just bouncing off it and acting like it wasn't there the whole match. 
Uh, that was amazing. But yeah, just an absolute train wreck death match that I think is worth watching just because I don't, this is such a weird grouping of people. Like one psychosis doing death matches is hilarious, but to get like such a grouping of people from different promotions all in one like this with a living legend in it, like psychosis and Pagano, um, it was just great. I really, I really enjoy this. I'm more curious. You didn't watch this. Did you Travis? Or did you watch some of it? No. So I started watching it and I got, like I said, I started taking notes on it. This is the only match I have any notes for. And these are my three notes I have. And this, I only made it to the beginning of the match which was massive-ass light tubes again. Uh, shocked that Nick Gage is allowed to leave the country. Um, <laughs> and uh, the, two, the two like rings of barbed wire on like just two of the ropes on one side only and not in the middle of the ropes, not even all the way across the ropes, just in like, a couple spots on the ropes. That was so fucking funny to me. Um, also, watching it through a fan cam uh, made it feel so ghoulish, like, like I wasn't supposed to be seeing this or something because it was like no commentary and everyone's like ooh ah and it's like i don't know it was, it, i felt like i felt like i was doing something dirty watching this match i will say that i picked this one cuz i just wanted you to see like i know i don't think you've really seen any pagano and you definitely haven't seen any joe linder um just because i know you aren't like me watching every zona 23 show uh yeah. which is good on you honestly I, it's a sick obsession i feel like i have at this point um uh, it's basically just a smut film it's not even wrestling <laughs> but it is i like that was my real pick on this but eric you watch this too right oh yeah yeah i was gonna say i know this is more your speed yeah so um i have a couple notes um one of the most mexican things ever you guys have both talked about it already but the fucking like two little strands of barbed wire around the ropes that everyone kept getting caught in i was just like this is like mexican deathmatch like to a t like it, it just makes perfect sense um Travis, when we did the tournament survival review, was talking about that air horn guy. Um, I'm pretty sure Travis would have fucking hated himself at this show. Oh my! Dude, Any lucha like show, Travis Zale. would lose his. Fucking it sounded mind. like it was the fucking like South Africa World Cup. Yeah, they use the Vuvuzela. <laughs> uh, what is it? Is Vuvuzela. Thank you. I did say it right the first time. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it sounds like those, and I forget. Um, I really hope Luis listens this deep so he can tell me what it is and I'll say it. But there's this, it's this like Mexican toy that's like, it's like wind up. They had them at Mucha Lucha and he told me the name and I can't think of it. But it's what makes that noise. Um, do you hear it like every Lucha show and they like hand them out and I just I can't think of the name of it. Uh, one thing, um, fuck, what was it? Uh, so you know how like in a hardcore match, like say like Tommy Dreamer comes out and he'll have like his trash can and he'll fucking toss it in the ring and like everything goes flying out of it. So psychosis tried to do that with light tubes and I don't know what he thought was going to happen, but he tossed like four tubes into the ring and they just fucking shattered. <laughs> expect. And it was it's like, so good. Yeah. Like, I don't know what the, like, I don't know. Has psychosis done like real death matches with tubes before? Cause like, I've never watched much of like, I've actual, never like, seen him do them, but I mean, that doesn't mean that he hasn't. I like, I haven't personally seen them, but he looked out of his element and that's why this match was so funny to me like when yeah. i looked at the lineup for this and i saw it come across i was just like i'm never gonna see this grouping of people before where you basically have a yarder and joe linder let's be honest here um <laughs> i mean he mostly he does triple a stuff too now but he i mean zona 23 is how i know him um and then you have pagano who just is a mess nick get over and you don't see him all the time and then you have nick gage which 
fucking king, of course. And then Psychosis in a death match. Like, it's just such a weird group that I loved every second of this. This might be my favorite match I've watched all week, and that should just show you how ridiculous my brain is with wrestling. Like, <laughs> I want to watch the weirdest possible shit, and this was, like, this was just true ghoul Mexican deathmatch shit, and I loved it. Uh, one last thing is uh, Psychosis tried to do, like, the ECW chair toss thing where, like, everyone throws their chairs in the ring. And, like, two people did it. And then security was just like, nope. And it was, like, the most disappointing thing I've ever seen. Because, like, Psychosis looks so chair right. And then it just stopped. Yeah, it was good. This was, like I said, uh, when I watch something like this, it's just pure fun. Like, nothing yeah. about this is offensive. Like, it's not – I would never call this, like – I hate star ratings, but I would never call this, like, a high star rated match. Like, it's not – but I've enjoyed this match more than I've enjoyed some matches I've seen rated five stars. Dude, it's like watching a Schlack match. You're not watching it for match quality. You're just watching it to have fun. Like Exactly. You're just going to see some bullshit. God, if Schlack was in this match, I would have loved it even more. Be Dude, honest. I, can't wait. I can't wait to see Schlack in Japan. They're going to be fucking terrified of it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. It's going to be some leather mask shit when he comes out. Like, he's going to come out. They're going to be running from him. Yeah. If I've never seen someone that looks like him. Um, so, uh, I guess we'll go on to the last match. Yeah, let's get that last match, buddy. So, I would, I would say this is probably my favorite match in the G1 so far. The, the Hoss battle of Tomohiro Ishii versus Jeff Cobb. Um, yeah, I, I thought this was like, this is one of the best Jeff Cobb matches I've ever seen. Uh, I wouldn't say it's one of the best Ishii matches because all Ishii matches are fucking great. But uh, just watching them beat the living shit out of each other for like what, like 15 minutes. Um, I, I, I thought I thought Cobb getting like gassed was like kind of cool because it was like it just made it feel like Ishii had just beat him so badly that he was like winded from it. Um, so uh, like Cobb doing the moonsault and stuff like that is obviously always cool and like it's cool he does his like little like uh, like athletic spots, but like. Just seeing Jeff Cobb be a fucking hoss for a, a whole match is what makes him, like, interesting to me. Because, like, I've seen enough, like, fat dudes who can also do, like, athletic stuff. Like, I want to see Jeff Cobb just, like, beat the shit out of someone. And that's what this was. Like, him and Ishii just fucking had a fight with a little bit of wrestling moves in it. And that is what made it so fucking funny. Dude, the shoulder tackle no-sell is my favorite spot of all time. Yeah, so good. There's probably fucking 25 of them in this match. I loved it so much. Yeah, that that like challenge standoff you get when they do like the they just bump it they like they, they do the shoulder tackle and they don't even nudge. Also, like Ishii can no sell a fucking chop like a motherfucker. So yeah. I love watching that. And then same with Jeff Cobb, like they just like all the stuff they were doing to like no sell each other and to like try and just like it was just like it was just like this big battle of like brawn and masculinity and it's just everything I want in a fight. I loved it. It was just. It was just, I'm the fucking bigger and stronger and better man tonight. And that was what was so fucking cool. When like, did Jeff Cobb add like 100 pounds to his frame? I don't know. Jeff he Cobb is the huge. most intimidating pregnant woman on the face of the earth. He looked so like that was the first thing I saw when he came out. I've seen recent Jeff Cobb matches and he walked out and I was like, this is the, he looks so jacked right now. Yeah. Like he looks so big. And I mean, my favorite part of this match, honestly, I mean, the whole thing was great. I feel like it didn't have a lull at all. Like, a lot of New Japan matches tend to have, like, maybe, like, a lull period and then kind of pick up. This yeah. felt like it just went from beginning to end of just this crazy hoss battle. That end was crazy. Yeah. I was like, I stood up. 
And that doesn't, I don't do that too often, like at home watching something, but it was, he lifted him up and I was just like, Ishii cannot lift Jeff Cobb, but they build that whole match. And I know Ishii can that whole match, but they build it as him being the smaller guy, trying, 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 trying. And then he does it and boom, that's it. And that's another thing I love about New Japan is that he could just hit that and it's over and that's it. And that made me super happy. Like it doesn't have to be the same thing every time you can tell a different story. Did you guys catch that belly-to-belly suplex that Cobb did where he God. launched Ishii? <laughs> and, like, that dude, like, I don't I don't remember if it was your guys' podcast or someone else. Or that dude is literally a fire hydrant. Like, I have no idea how you fucking toss him like that. Oh, we yeah. did mention that on here, but, I mean, that wasn't so. I got that from somewhere else, so it's totally possible dude, someone else Wooler, said it. Wooler texted me the other day and said, Ishii is built like a buff stick of butter. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like he's not a tiny dude in a lot of this match. He's just tossing him like a rag doll. And it was, I love watching Jeff. When Jeff Cobb is on as a wrestler, I truly think he's one of the best. He's just not always on like this. And my God, I, I could watch this match a million times. This is definitely the best G1 match to date right now that I, I mean, we're through the first nights. I haven't seen like Abushi versus Osprey. I'm sure that's going to be ridiculous. But but in these first couple shows, nothing came close to this. This was from start to finish absurd. Uh, I have it in my notes that Ishii looks like he listens to nothing but bulldoze, and that <laughs> and that his fucking uh, entrance music needs to be just like the first three seconds of his entrance music on loop, just like sirens and pit bulls. Like it would be so hard. Like. It would be get awesome. Rid of the fucking, get rid of the fucking harpsichord or whatever is in his theme, and just like go full beat down with this guy. Yeah, he needs he needs some like enemy mind shit to like come out to, or like have him come out, have him come out to build upon frustration, and it would be fucking <laughs> perfect. Like let's just get this guy full into like like heavy shit and just make him like a fucking monster. I was listening to people talk about like how like his like wrestling and character has not changed in the last like five years, and he's like not like dynamic or whatever, and it's like. I mean, I would be into this. Make Ishii into, like, a fucking, like, just, like, a bar brawler, like, hard-ass. Yeah, that's fine. Wrestling's already there. Just make him a beatdown kid, and his manager could be Stickman from Period 5. God, that'd be amazing. That's a dream right there. Imagine if Ishii still wore, like, high-waisted wrestling pants, but they were now, in turn, jorts that went down to his ankles. (laughs) Uh, Have you guys seen what Ishii wears, like, outside of the ring? Because he might be the best-dressed man in, like, New Japan. That it's is weird because it like fits his body, which I feel like would be very hard to do, but it does. I've never seen what he looks like outside of the ring. I've only seen the pictures of him cooking in his wrestling gear. I'll send you this picture of, uh, I think it's like Okada and Osprey like playing in the rain or something. And Ishii is in this like black like business like trench coat. And he looks like he's like their dad, like just like happy that they're having fun. And he, he looks so fucking dapper. Like it's... It's honestly ridiculous how good he looks. And then he wears those tiny-ass sunglasses. Yeah, he's always wearing, like, nice sports coats and stuff like that. Like, he, the man has style. I love that. That makes me so happy. Are you sending it to the chat? Oh, shit. I'll send it right. I'll find it and send it. So you guys it's cool. You can send it later. I just looked at my phone waiting for it, and I was like, I don't see anything. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I... I uh, I would I, w- I would love to see him just become like full on like like beat down kid, um, especially because I don't know if you guys know this or not, but like in Japan, like like hardcore kids, like you kind of get into hardcore age like twenty five, and then like older dudes in hardcore are, like thirty two, so like 
he's still probably within like he could just become like an instant old head and no one's gonna question it there. So like exactly. and they love beatdown from what I've and, heard like, as well. Imagine if fucking he came out to like like fucking some like Japanese shit. Like imagine Sam. if like Ishii comes out and like forty three Urban is playing on like one side and like Sand is playing on the other and just like <laughs> Yeah, it'd be his fucking heart. That is uh, the only. That's the type of fantasy booking you're only gonna get from this podcast. The crossover yeah, sure. of Ishii coming out to Sand. Oh, yeah, God. I was gonna say. Imagine like Sand playing on like the Wrestle Kingdom stage. God, and, if it's God all I want in life. The Madison Square Garden. Sand can play the Tokyo Dome. That's fair. <laughs> get that. Make that shit fucking happen. Imagine like videos. People like looking at, like these videos of like, like like. Like, like, P.O.D. played WrestleMania, and, like, Limp Bizkit played WrestleMania, and then you're like, oh, who's played Wrestle Kingdom? Sand. <laughs> he's <fucking> sand. <laughs> he's just poser the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think that kind of wraps up the wrestling por- por- portion of today. I don't really have anything planned for the vegan segment. What a fucking surprise. Uh, do you got anything, Silvio? I really don't. Um, the only thing I can think of, and I'm just going to throw Eric on the spot, are there any vegan places in Fargo at all? I guess because I know a lot of people listening to this, um, especially with Eric coming over, and I know this is like his first like official episode. I know we're getting a lot of Time Bomb fans crossover. So if any of them happen to be vegan, I don't know. Like, do you know any places there? Maybe we can give a little help. So there are no like fully vegan spots anymore. There used to be one called Greenhouse Cafe that was super good. Uh, the number one spot that I can recommend, especially if anyone's coming to Time Bomb, uh, it's like just like two blocks down from the aquarium it's called worst it's like a german like beer hall but they just like added a vegan menu so like pretty much everything that's on their menu is now available like vegan and it's fucking better than like the regular food so i would absolutely recommend going to worst and trying some of their vegan food uh they have these cauliflower bites that are fucking amazing um but yeah i mean like all the bars downtown are starting to get like vegan options but Right now, there's absolutely nothing, like, fully vegan. Okay, cool. I I just, that was the only thing I could think of. I was like, wait, like, maybe, because I know this is going to be an episode that gets a little more traffic from that area. So I was like, maybe we can help out some people who are going to the aquarium for time bomb shows. Because if you're in driving distance I, and you're listening to this, I already know you're going or planning on going. I also have something I want to talk about. I just forgot about this. So okay. I, 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 as I prefaced, I, I told you guys this, but I'll, I'll throw this out there. So I spent this past Monday after AEW, I spent the entire day at a uh, a, a big strip mall plaza. Um, so I uh, I got Blaze and I finally tried the. Uh, oh, you finally tried it. I, I tried finally finally tried the soy riso and it's fucking delicious. Uh, totally worth it. Absolutely go and get Blaze. Go out of your way to get Blaze pizza and get the fucking soy riso. It's super good because it adds, like, you don't realize how much texture it's going to add until you get it. And you're like, damn, I, it, it was missing this. I'm probably going to get it tomorrow now that you just brought it back up. Yeah, it was great. But I also went to Tropical Cafe, like, or Tropical Smoothie Cafe. So if you guys don't know this, Tropical Smoothie Cafe has been carrying, like, I think it used to be Beyond Chicken. But I think it's now it's just some sort of, I don't know what, I, I, it might be still be Beyond Chicken. But they have some sort of vegan chicken and you can get... Any of, like, their chicken sandwiches, you can swap it out for vegan chicken. So I went up there. This is a bad story, not a good story. So don't ever do this. Um, so I, like, went to Tropical Smoothie Cafe and was all excited. And I was like, you guys still have this? And they're like, oh, yeah, we do. And they've had this on the menu for, like, five years now. So I was ex- I thought they got rid of it. They didn't. And um, I asked if they had any dressings to go on this thing that, w- that were vegan. And the woman just said, 
oh no, I like meat. And I just stared at her and I was like, I don't see how that answers my question. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and she's like, nope. And I was like, okay, so you guys don't have like barbecue sauce or something? And they're like, no, no. And I was like, okay, well. And then I saw they had jerk and I was like, okay, we well, put jerk sauce on it. And she's like, fine. So they put, I got a sandwich and I was like, yeah, no tomato. I'm mean, sorry, no, uh, no, no cheese or anything like that on it. They took the cheese off, but they left the bacon on. And gave it to me with uh, veg with vegan chicken and real bacon, and then I had to send it back. And then I could not figure out if it was actual chicken or not, so I just like didn't feel comfortable. I took one bite, and it looked like it was definitely like the fake stuff. But I was like, you know what? I don't trust these motherfuckers. So it was disgusting. It was uh, it's it's like eight dollars for this like little like shitty sandwich. So Dude, they microwave the they use Beyond Chicken and they microwave it. I went there once because someone was like, yeah. My old roommate, not Christian, the one before, was like, yeah, they have great vegan options. So I went there, like, on my lunch break, and I saw them pull out the Beyond Chicken and start microwaving it. And I was like, this sucks, man. Yeah. Like, it was that, like, that also, stuff is so bad when you microwave it. Like, the texture it gets is gross. Tropical Smoothie Cafe also just, like, kind of, like, low-key stinks. Like, I don't know why, because I thought maybe the one here at Temple just smelled bad. But when I was at that one, like, no, it just fucking smells horrendous inside. Yeah, they're not They're not good. I'm not a fan. I haven't gone to one in a long time. Like, sometimes I'll go. They have a green smoothie that's, like, okay, but it's not that great. Like, it, it's a very rare occurrence I would go. Planet smoothie will forever have my heart. Um, I, also, I, I also I like Smoothie King, but uh, fuck Tropical Smoothie. That shit needs to burn in hell. Um, but yeah, that's all I had to say about that. Yeah, I think that really goes to do it. I mean, we talked a little bit about Jacksonville. Um, if you really have any questions about like vegan places to eat in Jacksonville, I know a million of them. Just like DM us. I don't need to go into every single one right here, even though we probably should have done that last week. We just didn't. Um, but yeah, you can always DM us, especially places in Florida. I know pretty well where to go. Travis knows Philly. Like we're pretty open that if you talk to us, we can probably find someone we know in your area. If you're just curious about, say you're not vegan, but you want to try vegan food and you want to go to a good place, let us know. We can probably find somewhere in your area. That's good. Yeah, absolutely. Just hit us up. And like, like Sylvia said, chances are I've probably been either, either we've been there or as we know someone who has been there. Um, so Yeah. Always feel free to, to message all of us. And now that we next have week we'll have a real vegan segment, I promise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I have plans for something for next week. But uh, until then, you know, so long to everybody. Uh, and this was uh, episode, what, like 11? Yeah, episode this 11. This is episode 12. And uh, welcome, Eric. This is a Epi full-time thing now. This is wild. Uh, real quick, I got some uh, oh. housekeeping to take care of real quick. Nah, bro, I'm, I'm, I'm shutting it off. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> Are we are we shutting off or are we going? No no no. Go ahead. I'm just <laughs> right, right. Since since I'm on this podcast now, I just want to say uh, leave a five star review. Um, please subscribe. Tell your friends. Uh, let's let's get this shit going. Uh, one last thing I want to say is best wishes out to Low Life Louie. Uh, he got fucked up real bad at the GCW fifty one fifty show. Uh, hopefully he's back in the ring soon. That dude is deathmatch wrestling personified so just want to say uh best wishes to low life louis because i know I he's hope, not listening yeah uh yeah I, I hope he i hope he's good i okay so he's announced for the h2o show this weekend yeah and he, I pulled have, out. He, he did canceled. pull out yeah, yeah he, he pulled out that night okay i was gonna say because i didn't see like on their twitter anywhere that said he canceled and i was like if this motherfucker is still gonna wrestle like he is uh, like out of his mind but yeah no he Respect the low life, Louie. Hopefully, he gets better soon, and I hope that we get that. Uh, I hope we get to see that match for real.
fuck yeah, we definitely will. So, uh, yeah, MDK. MDK all fucking day.